Hello, and welcome to the Weekly Scroll Podcast brought to you by the Adventure Archive. My name is Ryan. I'm Hunter. Today we have a very special guest with us, Max Moon. How are you doing, Max? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Um, so, Fairyland is on Kickstarter right now for, I think it's like 60 hours left. About. 57 is that more it? hours. 57, 57 more hours. 57 hours. Yes, that is true. Um, very excited and about I, how that's going. I know you were on an Instagram Live interview with Hambone yesterday. You talked about Fairyland a lot, but for those that didn't watch that, why don't you tell us a little bit about Fairyland? Um, yeah. Sure. Yeah, so Fairyland is um, a passion project between me and uh, old friend Kyle Reimergarten, who was writing some incredible stuff. I'm like, oh my God, we have to make this into a zine. And it just kept getting better and better. And it is a system-neutral psychedelic micro setting uh just enough content in those 44 pages that you can go to visit fairyland um have your whole world changed have your body changed and come back terrified or never come back at all um one of the things that we're doing with fairyland is really trying to kind of disrupt some of the um more pop ideas about what how we think about fairies and how things are often portrayed and fairyland is often portrayed and kind of pull back to some of the really old uh fairy lore and i've talked about this a bit where like a fairy let's get away from that whole like disney looking thing or whatever and come back to this idea where like devils imps goblins pixies nymphs all those things are all fairies uh including like i've, I've been saying like the weird uncle who lives in the woods also might be a fairy because people just think he's strange and call him a fairy. So it kind of encompasses that whole like uh, wild pre uh, pre colonialized colonialized like lore. Uh, That's yeah, really interesting. You have like a really uh, it seems like uh, and you correct me if I'm wrong. You have like a like an affinity for this like classic fae idea yeah. um, because twelve years, which we're going to go after, over after this has a lot of these really great old school fae elements where it's like, you know, the fae is not like a very super positive thing. Like you can get lost in it maybe forever. You can have negative effects. Is there like, is, is just the lore of like what classic fae is, what draws you to it? Or do you have something like specific that draws you to it? Oh yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been obsessed with this for a long time, but I think my like interests have got like deepened uh, in recent years. Um, and this all kind of comes back to my own sort of like practice and way of being in the world too. But like this, I grew up in like rural South with like family that lived, uh, in like woods with like no road kind of thing. And that's where like, I would go to visit them. I had a little more like population where I lived, but then spending time out there in that kind of like very much like hillbilly country, uh, and just oh, like yeah. wandering the woods and finding strange things and like all the stories that family would tell. And I think a lot of those were handed down from like immigrant family and stuff. So like I would, they would give me like a heads up, like, Oh, I found this like weird ghost town a few miles into the woods. It's like a dilapidated village. And they're like, Oh yeah. If you go out there, watch out for apple tree, man. And stuff like that. Or like my grandma decorated like a, a fir tree with all natural decorations and then like took me on a walk and let me find it 
and was like, oh, I guess the like the fairies, they're like the little people and the animals must have decorated this for you. Um, and so that sort of like cool. um, mad, like, you know, uh, remystification of things is a big yeah. part of my my life. And I don't need truth and like real, real like that sort of distinction, I feel like is really <laughs> useful to like oppress people and stuff. You can just like just be in the world. Um, so that's kind of where I, I get really, really into fairy stuff. Um, and I see it as kind of like a, um, before we needed religion and truth and reality, we got to just be playful and afraid and in awe. Very druid of you. I, you know? I, I, yeah, I love that. I like that. Um, it's kind of like taking the whimsy out of out of what a lot of people see as like fairies, because whenever I think of Fae and I would run adventures in Fae, I think it's much more towards what what you think, where you don't you have to speak very carefully around the Fae because of you might find yourself caught in a deal that keeps you there forever. And it's it's yeah. that kind of creepy, dark. This is funny for a second until it gets really weird and really creepy. Hey, um, I really like your dancing. Why don't you continue to do that just forever? You know, forever until your feet literally like wear off. You know, um, and and then you grind your bones to dust and die while you're still dancing to these magical instruments. Um, in uh, in Abyss of Hallucinations, another just absolutely stunning Dude, zine that, that you is did. A beautiful book, by the way. Like, let's just take a moment. Yeah. And that is a fantastic looking zine. Like, it is yeah. stunning. Um, and it came with, I, I backed it to get the Book of Lies from Alistair Crowley as well. Uh, so anyone that's actually going to basically reprint in their own version, like Alistair Crowley's Book of Lies, um, you can kind of get a sense of what they're into a little bit. Um, but even in Abyss of Hallucinations, it's got that kind of weird, I know it's a little bit more of an Abyss turn, but you still have Pan um, and, and then Bathman and things like that. But that's still that kind of like weird, not whimsy, Maybe this one's a little bit more than a hint of dark, but there is that kind of theme that carries over between what sounds like Fairyland and 12 Years and Abyss of Hallucination. So clearly that's something that inspires you a lot through a lot of the things you've created. Yeah, just the like the pairing of the like the dark and the joyful as a whole is where I get most excited, I think. And that's like in the music I've made and the art I've made and the scene stuff that yeah so like when kyle was writing fairyland and he showed me that i was like oh yes this is like spot on with the things that i'm most excited about so like yeah absolutely um that will probably be a theme in everything i do i probably can't help it well you hey, keep doing it and i'll it. keep i'll keep buying it awesome. yeah uh, i mean I, i'll i'll jump in on this just because i'm so excited about it i know you talked about this yesterday um that you are getting back together to create now a, an album, a, a dungeon synth album for Fairyland. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So Kyle and I briefly performed as a like with like circuit bent uh, instruments and synthesizers, and uh, we sewed like neon plush tentacled masks, and we performed as the Cthuligans. And <laughs> so it's time to reunite the Cthuligans for the Fairyland soundtrack. Um, so we will be getting that figured out and start making some music together. And it is going to be, it'll be strange. And it's going to be a really fun project to kind of think of like, we're going to have to pull ourselves in a bit on the strangeness to like find a little good, good direction. Cause if we are left to our own devices, it can just get way too weird. 
um, which is wonderful. We have a couple of video games that we made about our relationship too, um, that are about if we spend too much time together, we die. So um, that's amazing. That's awesome. That is, that is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to that album. I hope that you post like the cover art is you guys in the costumes, because I think, I think that's what the world needs right now. No. <laughs> yeah. More Cthulhuans. Um, speaking of the zines that you've done too, you, I, your Instagram is full of you experimenting with your zine creation, with the foil and with everything. And even as far as the 12 year zine, one of the things I've had the zine for a long time and read it a bunch and literally just noticed yesterday that it's even got green staples in it to keep with the theme. So <laughs> what got you actually starting to not only make your own games and stuff like that, but to make zines and not just, I mean, make gorgeous gorgeous zines i mean 12 yeah, years is fantastic like, with the foiling it's very much what we yeah. like on this channel which is art you know it is it yeah. is a big work of art thank you um yeah so there's a few things like that kind of all came into play at once right like so um one the pandemic happened and work got slow for a bit there and so i just like had a little more time and i've been doing um, i'm i'm a printmaker i love love making things i a former art teacher um, I work in art, art education. I, I just like love making stuff and I love trying out new, new processes and things. And zines are like a new opportunity for that. Right. But also with the printmaking, um, one of the things that I, um, also happened, I like had that a little bit, like work got slow for a little bit. So I just had a little more time, wasn't traveling around the state and stuff. And so like, okay, that's nice. But also, um, a little while back, I picked up a copy of Fiddler's Green um which is like a cult zine um wonderful articles but it was the first time i picked up a zine i was like it is just like a gorgeously constructed thing um and then after that there was like friend got me into morkborg and with morkborg there's like the cult heretic or cult territory whichever one came first and i'm looking at that and i'd been working on i think by the time i got that i'd been working on um 12 years but i remember that was the one that i saw and it was just like that just those black staples on that yellow paper it's a huge difference it's just a tiny accent but it's huge yep, yep. yeah go ahead and point uh, to it <laughs> and then like i mean <clears throat> that's the kind of zine I would, I would like aspire to be able to create with like the in terms of like they've got like the gorgeous like foiling on random pages and stuff and it's like oh, i can yeah. make that kind of thing by hand but I'm like loving with working by like doing everything myself. I also get a lot of opportunity to just experiment and try things that maybe aren't replicable. Maybe they are like for my contributor copies. I did like a, a heat embossing of the oh, Lich King cool. in the center oh, there. Yeah. So that's actually oh, that's like really, great. really cool. So, yeah. um, so there's like just a few of those for the people who worked with me on that. But uh, that's yeah, gorgeous. So I, and like I know that. there was a, there was a gold version too that I missed out on as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a copy of that anymore. I passed that along, but I I'll I'll probably have to make one another one for myself. But that was a, a quick like a I'm just like, you know what, today I just want to make however many people buy today. So I just had to like a one day thing. Um, well, hey, if you ever do another one myself. Yeah. If you ever have another one day thing, you have all my stuff to to yeah. let me know now. So yeah. yes, I will, yeah. Um we had a question in the chat, actually, uh, if there's going to be another 12 years print, because Skull, uh, who's on our, our channel on Thursdays, was asking. Yeah, 
Yep, there will be. Um, I have a lot of things in the works right now, but I actually have a new screen. I wore out my old screen, so I have a new screen for it. And I'm just debating like how much I want to go back in. There's some things in the language I want to clean up, a couple of inconsistencies that I want to clean up. So I'm debating if I like hold off for like a second edition or if I go mm -hmm. ahead, print some more copies now, I'm not changing anything big in there. It's just like a little cleaning up. So I don't know if I need to wait for that. Um, so I'm still kind of figuring that out. And then, um, yeah, I'm probably going to have a little boxed edition to come in. So, well, we're, we're going to yeah. buy it. So, I mean, yeah, uh, I, yeah, yeah, I tried to, I was so, <laughs> so upset that I missed the, um, the abyss of hallucinations that came with like the seal on it, like the cursed seal. Oh, yeah. And you had to like, I think it was, did you have to burn a copy to like unseal the curse from it or? Yeah, I, I made one, one available yeah. for one person to burn a copy to, but everyone else hopefully is rolling terribly from now on. So, uh, um, I was I, really uh, happy to curse people's dice. That is, and I, I put a lot of work into like, that's going to work. <laughs> Just yeah, you know. there you go. I, uh, so am I allowed to, speaking of your one-offs, am I allowed to say anything about, about yeah, that? Yeah. 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 So, uh, so I, me and Max have been talking for a while and, um, he dropped, uh, the time that it was going to happen. And there was this one edition, if everyone's seen it on the zine, it is the, the odious one, the unseely version, like black foil on black. This guy got it's it. Nice. I sat there for two minutes, refreshing the page <laughs> until it popped up and just <laughs> as fast as I could click checked out and got that. So I can't tell you how excited I am to have the one version of that, like in the world. Um, can't wait to get it. Very, very excited for that. So, um, I love doing one-offs just because I can make some stuff. I can play with it, do some things that I just can't do, even if I'm doing two. So it'll be there'll be some fun surprises in there for you. Oh, I can't wait. I I, I heard you talking a little bit about it yesterday on the, the Instagram live. So I, I'm I'm very excited for it. And uh, and also boxes now too. Yep, yep. I finally got it figured out how I can like print on boxes well and that is working and that is good so that's coming uh the insert map oh man andy weber has done illustrations for like all the zines so far um and he's been working on a map for fairyland and it's just looking gorgeous uh, it's all pencils right now but when it gets to inking i will probably put that in some they'll, that'll be showing up in updates along the way but yeah did he do the uh, Did he do the map for um, Abyss of Illuminations as well? He did. Yep. It's a great yeah. map. It's Thank a fantastic yeah, it's map. Oh, it's yeah. so good. He's, he's now, when, when you were talking, is Andy your friend that is kind of like, you've known him forever, you've done stuff with him forever, but sometimes there's like, you know, there's times where you don't see each other, and then when you get back together, it's like... That is you know. Kyle, but also oh, Kyle, Andy okay. is another one of those people, but we do we live in the same area and we've been in bands together and we've like, we've like done projects together here. And I so like, um, it's that similar vibe of like, he's another person who I can collaborate with really like quick and easy and trusted. Well, like he knows how like fucked up things are right here and how beautiful <laughs> that is. Um, so we're both left-handed, both born on the same day. I oh, like wow. to think at the same time, we plan on dying at the same time. And so there you go. Yep. It was interesting when you were talking about that in the interview, it actually reminded me of Hunter because we, I think we became like best friends within like five minutes of meeting each other. Probably um, something like that. And then, 
he left me and moved far away. Uh, and there were times where like for months we wouldn't really talk. And then we'd like talk intensely for like a month and then not again. And then with the podcast, um, it was kind of like that coming together again now. And now we've been able to talk every yeah, day. So it really reminded me of, day, so. yeah, <laughs> I talk a lot and he responds every now and then, but you know, um, a busy guy. Back to, I got, I got yeah. stuff going. I'm, I'm out here in the world making moves. Uh, I don't go. do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one other thing about Fairyland, though, so uh, some stretch goals got unlocked, and you're gonna do either um, is it additional content for, or is it adapted to fit? I believe it's Troika, Merkborg, DCC, and Old School Essentials. Yeah, so it will be um, that content is not in the zine. That's gonna be separate as inserts, and it's gonna be a new class uh, based on the idea of a fairy. Um, it's gonna be a new class for each of those four games. Each one's going to be different. So, like, we're not doing like writing up a class and then converting it among them. And each one of them is going to also have some opportunity to use some of the content in the zine. Like, if you're playing a fairy, um, instead of being like, here's what a fairy looks like, we've got a table that you can roll on for like randomly generating what a fairy looks like. So, when you use that playable class, you, you can refer back to that table. So, there's some other tables in the zine that might get pulled out for different things. Um, for each of the classes. So it'll still refer you back to the zine content, but it will be like its own standalone class that you can use. That's awesome. And then why, so, um, I mean, all four of those games are, are great. Um, we've talked about Troika, Merkborg. I have all of, this is all old school essentials right here. And nice. DCC is like right there, just out of screen. But why those four games instead of something like the world's most marketed role-playing game or something like that? <laughs> sure. um, this is gonna, okay, so uh, those games are fun. Oh, yeah, cool. I'll say more yeah. though, for real though. Those are our four favorite games. Um, but I gotcha. will say like, you know, Rules Light is what we're like, want to be writing for um those are the games we want to be playing that's the kind of stuff like yeah you could absolutely use fairyland in your 5e campaign it's going to take you a lot more work we didn't we're not like writing stuff up to support 5e yeah um, and also you could just not play 5e yep. you know yep um, <laughs> um yeah i i you know i was just talking to my brother recently about 5e and talking about like he was describing how he plays 5e and how it like works pretty well, but sometimes it gets a little tiring because he's like, I always avoid like throwing monsters at characters that are spellcasters because it's too much work. I'm like, it's because what you're trying to do is you're trying to make a rules light game starting with a rules heavy game that doesn't actually like work that well. Um, I mean, I'm not gonna like, I'll leave the like trash in 5e for you all to do like. Whenever oh, no, we, we do it every episode. We do it um, every episode. episode. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I say that as this entire shelf is 5e right here, but this is just <laughs> yeah, a reminder yeah. of how much money I've blown on, on my first RPG. So um, I'm a firm believer that like all games are good games if, if you're enjoying them. I do think from like a design perspective, it is like clunky is a kind kind word, um, and controlling is also probably a kind word. But uh it's I just somewhere don't, in that it, realm though. I, I very much agree it. with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to try it, though. I, have, I haven't played it. I just, like, read through the rules and look at it. So I, I'm saying all yeah. this with a caveat. I haven't actually played it, so yeah. take that with Hopefully a grain of salt. I dunk on 5e all the time, but I have a group of guys from my work that all, like, one of them is the DM, and he, <clears throat> so I play 5e. I haven't been playing with them recently, but, like, almost yeah. every weekend with them. Okay. And just because I really like them, but I'm constantly, like, pushing little games to the, to the DM. I'm like, hey, man, just so you know, 
like all the things that you're constantly complaining about this doesn't have any of those things man yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, i mean some of my frustration like i played a ton of 3-0 and 3-5 like an insane amount i refused to play anything else for over a decade and i think like all of the like osr stuff the rules light stuff all the indie stuff just like blew my mind as i like started reading through more of that and even when i wrote 12 years i'm like i really want to try to like pick apart some of the things i don't like but like go kind of to the extreme um yeah. so like a combat like i don't want rounds and like going through yeah. and, like everyone getting turns i just want like how simple can we go in the abstraction and still keep it interesting and fun yeah um so that was a lot of the goals for me and also i was tired of like never running away from things always just like plowing through with sword yeah or it's or a little power. unrealistic you know so, yeah yeah no so and those games specifically are kind of i don't know how to i would say they're four of like the top 10-ish kind of like non-big trad games out there for that most people generally do a lot of content in that isn't, you know, basically 5e or Pathfinder. Yeah. Um, especially Troika is so easy to do backgrounds for. Merkborg is just, I mean, it kind of blew up. You know, we did have Johan on the shore on yeah. this on the on the show, right. and a lot of that of was show, just Johan Nor. Friend of the show, Johan Nor. <laughs> um, and uh, I think a big part of it blowing up, besides the fact that it was beautiful, is the community that it, it, it created around yeah. it too, and kind of like even Ferritory and Heretic, like you said, with these beautiful zines, with this foiling and things like that, which is, I mean, realistically, not realistically, just you're, I mean, come on. You can't really get a whole lot better than a Max Moon zine as far as it looking absolutely stunning and then having amazing content in it. Um, and then DCC and OSC, um, I have not played a ton. I've read through uh, a, a good chunk of it. The DCC book, for being rules light, is 600 pages long. Um, so, you know, it, it takes a, it's a bit of a trek to get through. That one is rules lighter. It's lighter than three, <laughs> like which is it's like core, right? Like it. So I I love it. And at DCC has a couple things that will keep me coming back forever. The magic, like the spells, the spell duels. I just think it's it's genius. Uh, the dice chain. I'm like that is a beautiful thing. Um, so they they nailed some stuff. It like um and like Troika, okay. I was listening to your podcast before I played Troika to kind of help me like oh, nice. learn. And I was listening as you were talking about initiative. I'm like, yeah, that's not, I don't know. That's, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about that. But after our first time we played, I fell in love with the initiative system kind of because it produces some stupid results. And like <laughs> games often are too ordered. And mm -hmm. so I was like, I really actually enjoy as a player. I don't know how I'd feel about it as a GM. As a player, I kind of enjoy that I just like got like two attack, whatever. I'm going off on Troika. I I like fell in love with Troika deeply, and the same thing with like Morkborg. OSE for me is more just uh, it's nostalgia. It's that like I remember what it was like as a kid playing like first edition, and so like that is where that holds that. It'll always be like when I play OSE, I'm like oh yeah yeah I remember this. It's just a dungeon crawl. I'm trying to kill stuff and steal money out of the grave. Uh -oh. There you go. Yeah, yeah no, I, I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am to have um, not only more content from you, 
um, as far as as Fairyland, but also to have more content for those four games, which are yeah. again, I mean, outside of the major Shroud games, some of the big ones. So it's really exciting to see to see that come about, as well as the the album and the one kind zine I'm getting and the box and everything like that. So excited <laughs> for the Kickstarter project. Um, is there oh, the one kind me, I got zine that. that you're getting? Yeah, that I'm yeah. getting. Um, is there anything else you want to say about Fairyland? I know there's only a day or two left in it. Um, is there anything besides potentially Twelve Years Two E kind of on the horizon too after Fairyland or or where are you at? Yeah. So okay. Um, on the horizon, Abyss of Hallucinations Volume 2 is coming this year, um, probably late spring, early summer. I'm very excited to get working on that one. It's also nice to kind of like, when I made Volume 1, I was like, I don't actually know where this is going to, like, how this is going to land. Like, people could just be like, what the hell's wrong with you? These <laughs> um, now I'm like, oh yeah, it's going to be cool. I can like put a lot of work in ahead of time too. So Abyss of Hallucinations, Volume 2. I've got a couple of other things that are, like, still percolating. Um, but, yeah, and with Fairyland, just, like, I don't know, back it. it it's going to be cool. It's going to be super fun. There's the actual play with Plus One XP to, to, to watch if you want to see how it rolls. There's also a little review there, too. Um, and, yeah, I, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be fun. I, I can't tell you how excited I am for it and looking forward to yeah, everything that man. you do. I know when we first started this podcast, there was like three or four names that I was like, if we ever get a chance to talk to a couple yeah, of people, you were, you were it would be great. High on that list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was Thank like, you. I think we've got like two out of the three or four already somehow. That's awesome. Um, so yeah. it's very excited to have you on. Um, Listen, and, Adam uh, Bass, if you're listening, you're next. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah thank you so much for being here we really appreciate it um yeah, again now Thanks, max moon friend of the show forever friend of the show max um, moon yeah so maybe next time uh you have another project coming out we can bring you back on and we'll chat it up a little bit and talk about that okay. how do you feel that sounds all great right. All right. Um, Thanks for having thank me. you so much for being here yeah absolutely we're gonna cut to uh brb real quick just a fix our windows and stuff in here. Um, say goodbye to Max, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes, everybody. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. BRB. Thank you for tuning in to the Weekly Scroll Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, do us a favor and give us a nice rating or review on whatever podcast service you're listening on. You can check out all of our info on our website at theadventurearchive.net. You can also find us on Instagram at the.weekly.scroll, where we post our game review scores, Kickstart the Podcast recaps, and info about upcoming episodes. We're also active on Twitter at weekly underscore scroll. You can watch the VODs of all our episodes, as well as all of our actual play games on our YouTube at The Adventure Archive, or even catch us live on Twitch every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Central. And now, we'll get back to our episode. and welcome back to the weekly scroll that was max moon wonderful wonderful creator um Such they've a cool made guy. a ton yeah seriously uh, uh, oh, uh and i don't know if you heard i did get the one of a kind zine for fairyland we all fucking um, heard <laughs> very excited for that very excited for that and very excited to talk about 12 years um it is a great game i i'm there's a lot of stuff it, it's short it's simple it's so um, clever 
Wait, we're, wait, we're so we're, clever. We're, we're getting ahead of the. We're, we're putting we the are. carriage to the horse right now, you know. So prior to that, prior to that, we're gonna get into uh, kickstart the podcast. Woo! Boom. We're gonna start with. Oh, maybe if I was on the right window. Wait, we're not the planar compass issue three yet. Not yet. We are going to look at uh, Lucid Sea of Dreams. We're going to continue with our Kickstarter the podcast talking about some Zemo projects. Um, what we should have done when we picked out a bunch of product projects and uh, tweeted out, hey, let us know about your projects so we can talk about them is look at the end dates. We did not. So the next like four projects we're going to go over today all in within the next three to five days. Um, and Fairyland does as well. So I'm actually going to try to get the podcast episode out a little bit early this week. So maybe if people listen to it, they have time to go look at it. Um, this that we're going to talk about first is Lucid Sea of Dreams, a rules light hackable tabletop RPG about lucid dreaming inspired by dreams, night nightmares, Jewish folklore, and much more. Um, this is a great project by Raphael Falk. Um, it is, uh, I think Game Garden is the, uh, da, 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 da. I, I, I apologize if I said that wrong, but I do believe this is the first product from Game Garden. I'm looking at what I'm looking at. We're doing real good today. Oh, I'm doing great. I have notes even. I even have notes. Games Garden. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so you can find this here on Kickstarter. Uh, it is funded. It is uh, fully backed, which is fantastic. But there's never such thing as too much funding. 99 backers, five days to go. Um, and what Lucid Dreams is, is uh, an indie RPG for one to six players. Uh, it's a game about dreams, ideas, and players given freedom to unleash their imaginations and creativity. Uh, it yeah. is a stick. What I like about this is it is a standalone game. You can actually, since it's so hackable and it's kind of uh, system neutral, uh, you can actually kind of tuck this into any game that you're actively running. So if you just want to have basically like a dream sequence or an adventure where you go into um, this kind of uh, this space, uh, you can use this to kind of drop into any setting, any adventure to have kind of a you know, side quest or something like that. So it's really, really interesting idea. And I like the idea of having um, a product that is adaptable into any setting as kind of, as I said, like a side quest. So this is really, really cool for that. And even just the art, like instantly takes you to this weird kind of lucid dream space. Yeah, it's, it's very literally, almost, um, a, like Alice in Wonderland-esque, like, but dark. It is. I, mean, I guess so it's Alice in Wonderland are dark, so... They are. I mean, the actual ones are, are even darker than the show um, or the, the 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 cartoon. But the the main art here on the page is a, a tea party with an octopus, an owl in a suit, and a tree, like a treant, uh, hanging out having a tea party. So um, it is a really tea party. Duh. I mean, that's all the tea parties I've been to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it is tools for creating uh, interesting and unique characters, tables for generating encounters, compelling dreamscapes, eight unique locations within the sea of dreams to explore with plot hooks and a bevy of over a dozen interesting beings inspired by dreams, nightmares, Jewish folklore and more. Uh, it is it's just cool. Like, I, I'm actually surprised that it's not you know, backed a little bit more with how interesting the art is, how cool the um, idea of it is, and how much content you actually get for, I believe how it's around 45 pages. 
you know like, easy this super is so, easy you could drop this into almost anything man like this Literally. is like because i, yeah, I yeah. mean i'm really looking for more stuff to drop into into the odd um and like this is another one that you just yeah man a weird dream sequence that's very fits in very well with into the odd yeah and then if you look at uh, farther down there is this uh it, it's a page um mock-up of the reptile room run by the affable lyle lyle a man with a crocodile head the reptile room is a classy lounge in the pearl uh so that kind of again takes you to what this kind of lucid dream space is it's a man with a crocodile head serving you drinks to what looks like a cloud person um Perfect. so it's it looks Amazing. great it's it's so yeah, good. it's fantastic. fantastic yeah <laughs> the shipping rates are i mean the to back it at a um uh print level is uh it's only 15 dollars. it's pdf at 10 dollars, and shipping in the u.s um because obviously you know that's all we care about because we're americans um is is only three dollars so you can get the entire thing for 18 bucks pdf print in your in your possession uh so i it it's a steal as far as i'm concerned and they're very close to i believe it's the first stretch goal they are right now at 21 27 and at uh 2300 they get additional full page illustrations and 2650 they'd get even more art so less than 500 dollars away from hitting two art stretch goals um and in the next five days five days uh, so yeah highly recommend you grab this even at the pdf level again if you play any setting where you could potentially have this um kind of sea of dreams or have these plot hooks in kind of a dreamscape yeah. this sounds absolutely perfect and i love that it's not again it's kind of what we talked about with max it's not a lot of whimsy there is it talks about like nightmare scenarios and plot hooks yeah. and creatures too so sounds really really cool again this is lucid sea of dreams on kickstarter the rules like hackable tabletop for uh, lucid dreaming so uh definitely check that out uh five days back that um next we are going to talk about skin job uh skin job is a third-party morkborg adventure morkborg i i'm not swedish i wish i could say it better um skin job is a putrid deep pit of filth set in the horrific desolation of the world of morkborg and if you see this art here on the initial uh page the the art at the top it's very distinct i absolutely love this style it's from michael Harmon. Um, and they did uh, with Yogdu Games, um, oh, and this yeah. is Yogdu Games as well. Yeah, they did um, the Tomb of Immolation. Yeah, and this is the Michael Harmon art on the front cover. of that again. God, yeah. that cover is amazing. I love all the covers that came with Tomb of Annihilation. Billy Blue. Um, there was an additional one, and then Mike Harmon's as well. Michael Michael Harmon's is my favorite. Like, just his art God. style is crazy. Like, it's so yeah. good. It's really hard to even describe it, um, except it's incredibly vibrant and crisp. And I just love the way that it that it looks. The colors really always pop and stay, but the content stays super dark. So Skin Job um, is basically the uh, story of this, um, I believe it's it says the Blood Tree Wood. But basically there's this Lord Felbane who has these children uh, that have disappeared within the forest um and uh other people have been disappearing for months but it hasn't been a problem until his revenues began to drop um and he basically uh it's it's causing a reduction in the amount of blood tree sap harvested 
and then his twin children vanish, and he finds adventurers or press gangs adventurers uh, into looking for these apparently kidnapped children. Um, so he has commissioned willing scum to rescue them um, from the haunting and dangerous blood tree wood. Uh, 50 pages of filthy nastiness that should kill 50% of the scum that attempt it. Um, a bunch of puzzles, um, uh, a number of new monsters, printer-friendly maps, and more macabre art for Michael Harmon. There's a couple pages here, a bone spider, a skelly pooch, and then this really weird porcelain doll head that just That's strikes that. That's fucking sick. It's so cool. Um, so I I really loved what they did with Tomb Immolation, and I got the 5e OSR version, and I got the Tiny D6 version. Um, but the art and the way that they wrote it and the way that Yagu Games does stuff is really fantastic. So uh, it's definitely worth giving it a check out. Um, the uh, PDF is only $8. The physical zine is only $15. And to get a print-on-demand... Um, uh, no, 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 no. To get the Lich hardcover version is only $25 plus shipping, and that comes with the PDF as well. So really, really nice. cool... Yeah, really, really cool. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm sure the content is amazing. I, I really like what they do. But even just for more Michael Harmon art, I would back this um, and did back it. Uh, so uh, absolutely worth it. If you're into Merkborg, um, it's it's a very beautiful book to have on your shelf if it's anything like the Tomb of Emulation that they put out previously. So yeah, and that has four days left on it, and it is uh, four times funded, and I do believe, I don't even think, I think they specifically said they're not doing any stretch goals just to to make sure it's done and in your hands. Um, do Which you I can appreciate. want to, you know? Yeah, I, oh, seriously, I, listen, I love me some stretch goals. Totally, I also, I also love when it's, you start a project when it's basically done, and I can get it in three months instead of three years, you know? Yeah, like feature Like Red Giant, yeah, so... Um, oh, do you yeah, want to do the next one? Quick, man. Dude, it, it was all done. All they had to do was some final revisions. I, I don't know if they had a, a bunch of stretch goals. Get it approved and get that print on demand code. It was literally like three month turnaround. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was, so. it was crazy short. Yeah, yeah let's uh, let's let's do. Uh, we're gonna do our next one. So, uh, sorry, uh, Player Compass issue three. Um, so Player Compass is a series of adventures, uh, for, um, I believe OSE, right? Yeah. Old school essentials. Uh, yep. Yeah. For OSE, that is a fun, um, weird science planar, uh, adventure, uh, in Player Compass issue three, you will venture into the planes of law and time um yeah it's a fun little adventure the, the player compass are so interesting i don't know i think ryan knows but i actually have a tales of the infinite staircase that i laid out adventure which is very much like a planar travel adventure um and shout out except i don't play DD anymore so i wrote for DD. um yeah player yeah. compass is an ongoing third party zine um originating on the astral sea each issue builds upon the previous foundation of the weird fantasy it's got this really great weird fantasy feature to it um in this book, you'll have the setting, um, two two new classes, um, monsters, and some adventure seats for your parties. Uh, if you're looking at this like, well, it's issue three, and I don't want to start at issue three, that's okay because they actually have a tier. Uh, for twelve dollars, you can get a PDF copy of all of the issues. Uh, for fourteen, you can get a PDF of just three and the physical copy of three. 
I mean, for 40, you can have the PDF and physical for all of them, one through three. So if you want to take your like OSE game on a weird planar adventure where you get to interact with celestial and astral beings of law and, and other things, it's a fun, weird time. Um, planar Cup has been really popular. They have reached their funding. They have smashed their funding goal. Um, they were. I think they. I think they, they, were, they were aiming for yeah. six hundred, and they're at they're at twelve thousand. Twelve thousand. Right yeah, I think um, they smashed it on like the in the first like ten minutes or some ridiculous. I mean, like, it's, it's yeah. really good, and and as somebody who wrote like a planar adventure game, it is hard to find a lot of like really concise planar information for an adventure. Um, this this has seventy hours to go. So if you're listening to this on a podcast, it's probably already gone. Probably but, already gone. Uh, if you're sitting here, the eight of you watching us right now and whoever like watches the VOD when it goes up sooner, uh, back this. Player Compass is cool. They make really good stuff. The art is very good. Um, it's mm-hmm. the weird fantasy, which I think I'm more of a fan, a fan of than Ryan is. Um, um, I think it, I mean, I would say yes. I, I, I don't, I don't. That is where our Venn diagram veers slightly. Yeah. You know? I like um, weird tech fantasy. Like, I love the vibe of Troika. You know, I really liked uh, Grok. Um, was really... Oh, I can't wait. My, yeah. Very much up, yeah, my, yeah. Like, up my alley, you know? Yeah. But I think with Planner Compass, I mean, it reminds me, at least a lot of what I've read. Um, I know when they posted um, uh, on our tweet, uh, I, I specifically asked, are there going to be tiers to get all three? Because... Every time I, every Wednesday when Exalted Funeral drops their update, um, I, I dig through and probably spend too much money on Exalted Funeral, and I constantly see Planner Compass on there, and I've thought about it, and then I saw number two on there, and I kept thinking about it, and then I heard about number three, and I was like, all right, I'm going to wait just in case you can get all three, because 40 bucks to get all three and PDFs of all three is a fucking three. steal. Yeah. Yeah. So even if you don't get the opportunity to back this project now, um, a lot of times Planner Compass 1 and 2 are up on Exalted Funeral. Right. They're up on um, like Ratty and Cantati. They're up on, I don't know if they're on Spear Witch. I don't know if Spear Witch does a lot of OSC stuff, but there are so many, depending on where you are in the world, whether it's Rook's Press or Monkey Paw or, or Floating Chair or just an insane number of shops out there that honestly... I keep finding and then just keep spending money at um, the original issues are out there. And then I'm sure that number three Sponsor will be us, on. Please. Yeah, will <laughs> Ex- be Exalted on, Funeral, Spear Witch, yeah, please. <laughs> will be on there um, soonish. So this kind of reminds me of like, um, if you really want to do Spelljammer in OSC, but maybe oh, a little weirder, this is what it reminds totally. me of. Totally. This is very up that alley. Um, and also, mm. listen, y'all, they added a class that's Time Priest. Don't you want to just oh, yeah. do that? You know? Yeah. Yeah, the moment yeah. I read I'm that, I'm like, oh, I play that shit. That sounds fucking cool, man. Yeah, very excited for that. I'm very excited that, again, like I said, all three are available now. If you get it within 70, it's almost 72 hours, so three days, basically, is yeah. what it is. I don't like when it hits three days and it starts cutting down to hours. It reminds me of people yeah. that talk about how old their babies are in months until, like, 37. Oh, yeah, my kid is, like, 25 months old. Okay. <laughs> I, I was told by people that have kids that they stop at two, and I was like, I guess I can tolerate that. Um, but I wouldn't mind if this didn't start, you know, an hour's countdown to like maybe 36, you know, Kickstarter <laughs> who obviously listens to us just so you know, 70. Um, I think they do that because in my mind, I think 70 hours is a lot less than three days. Yeah, it is. You know, but it's it not is in my mind. Yeah. It gives you that little bit of, um, um, kind of like get on it now, you know, the, this is urgency. There you go. Exactly. Um, and then the last one we are going to talk Jeez. about today. 
as well is uh, Axiom Library, which is another old school essentials project for Zemo. A lot Zemo. of OSE stuff right now, you know? Yeah. If, listen, if you guys play OSE, you're, it's a good time for you. Um, well, not only that, I mean, we haven't talked about it, and I don't know if we'll touch on it. Um, so we'll touch on it here. Old School Essentials is actually doing, I believe it's going to be on Kickstarter, unless it's just Exalted Funeral. They're doing the re-releases of all of the um, OSE stuff. Am I backwards? Oh, I am backwards in this window. Um, of all the OSE stuff, uh, new box sets for Ooh, really for the classic and 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 advanced and stuff like that. So I, I probably will actually get that when they release it. Yeah. I wouldn't mind diving a little bit deeper into OSE. Yeah. So I have I have all of the original books. It would be nice to just have it as one big box set. Um, but uh, but it is out there. So this is Axiom Library. Um, this is from Giuseppe Rotondo. Um, Axiom Library is four old school essential zines expanded and collected into one hardcover book. Um, it is uh, compatible with most simulacra and clones of the early edition. So a as most people know, OSC is kind of the, I think now it is kind of like one of the, I want to say the, it is one of the premier kind of like retro clones of like 1E. Um, I think, and I am not an expert in retro clones, so if I put my, my foot in my mouth, I'm sorry, um, but I think along with like Lich Lord, I think it's called, and and one or two other like the BNX um, things like that, they are the um, uh, what originally started as the OSR, which is basically a series of retro clones. But OSE has kind of now become the at least as far as I it's know like, and have heard it's of. It's like the old school essential, you know? Yeah, it is the essentials of the old school, exactly. Um, it has become <laughs> one of the premier versions. I just know a lot of people that have talked about it. They, it. they do one eat well and kind of clean it up for modern tastes. Um, and I've read through the books. They're really, really good. They put out a lot of really good adventures for a lot of really good people. Um, I know um, Diego Nogueira, uh, Diego Old Skull, who does... Um, gosh, he actually did the cover of this that we get a chance to talk about. We'll talk about it sometime. Um, yeah, we'll talk about oh, it. Oh, I remember um, you backing that. No, 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 no. I won this. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, we'll talk about Ooh. it. Uh, for those that didn't see it on podcast, it's 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 Neon Lord of the Toxic Wasteland. Um, but oh, anyway, he I did... remember you winning that. Right, right, right. right yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, he yeah. did Halls of the Blood King. He did Halls of the Blood King, which is one of the official adventures um, with art from Justin Jones, which is absolutely stunning. So anyway, Old School Essentials, it's fantastic. Um, in a nutshell, this project we're talking about right now um, is Axiom Library. It gives you special rules and tables for new characters, absent players, alternate arcane and divine magic, magical mishaps, divine wrath, curses, quests, tables, tables, and more tables. Um, you get all Not four of tables. those adventures. Yeah, you get all four of the originals. Well, three of the original zines, plus I believe it's a new one. Um, Wondrous Weavings, Warped and Weird, Mysteriously Missing and Merrily Met, Notable Novices and Notorious Newcomers, and Pious Prayers and Powerful Prodigies. I'm very proud of myself for that. Um, all put together into one gorgeous book. Um, and then if you go to their page, it actually gives you a breakdown of each individual zine and what you get in them. And the zines themselves are, are beautiful. Um, I, I, I kind of want to just get the these little... Um, because they're like half size. They're like tall, but yeah. very thin, but they're still like a full zine. It's not a pamphlet. They're really, really, really cool looking. So um, cool. yeah, they're really, really cool. Uh, so anyway, all of that original content, plus I, I believe it's the fourth one, is all getting put into one hardcover book. Um, and it's really not that expensive. Um, if you actually want to get a uh, PDF and signed print, 
it's only 15 euros, which is 18 U.S. American doll hairs. Um, 18 and fake then, money. Euros is the real money, dude. Fuck uh, America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, if you want to get... Yeah. <laughs> If you want to get the PDF and print, there you go. Hey, listen, if Joe Rogan's not getting removed, we're not getting removed. So, um, well, I guess we didn't get $100 million. Anyway, for seven euros, um, you can get the PDF and print with a hardcover voucher. Um, And uh, it talks about stretch goals. There are stretch goals we are confident to add to the Action Library without delaying the delivery. Um, And I believe they've unlocked just about all of them because it is funded for what looks like, nope, wrong scroll wheel. Uh, $7,000, which is way above what they needed. So they have unlocked I love literally every like stretch goals. goal. They're like, yeah, it goes $5,000, $500. It's like, well, Boom, you guys are gone. at 7000 yeah. now. So yeah, every goal that they've met, I think the last stretch goal was all the way down at 6,400 euros. So um, it is, it is, it's there. Um, so uh, it is a five and a half by eight and a half hardcover book, as I said, with all the stuff in it. Both versions are fulfilled by Drive Through RPG, so you'll get um, okay, cool. a, uh, uh, a fulfillment code. And we've talked about it recently. They're slightly more expensive now, but the quality of the Drive Through RPG They're prints are much better. Good, you know. Yeah. And if I was going to do a project that had especially international shipping right now, there are some delays with Drive Through RPG because there's drive, there's delays with supply chains and paper and cardboard all over the world. Um, but uh, it. I don't know the ins and outs. I'm sure it's a pain in the dick, but I can't believe that it's not a little bit less of a pain in the dick than dealing with a printer, having them sent to you, and then having to ship it out yourself. So right. drive through RPG is a way that a lot of people um, fulfill projects and kits are. You get a print-on-demand code, which often gives you the um, book at cost to printing, which is generally not that expensive. I think hardcover books are like like 12 to 17 dollars i think yeah, depending really, on how big they are we did this with red giant to reference back to red giant and it was like 14 bucks or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. not expensive at all um so uh, a really really cool project more osc content for you people that want to get into osc there's a lot of good stuff in zemo right now um action library snag that planner compass snag all of those and then win the new um uh box sets of osc's uh Content comes out, snag those as well, and you'll have plenty of stuff to do all of your adventures in. Um, I know in the original thing that I bought, the first adventure, um, which I think is called Hole in the Oak, um, came with it. Um, So we'll see what comes with the new box set. But otherwise, two amazing OSE projects that we talked about today uh, that are definitely worth getting it. So wrap up Lucid Sea of Dreams, um, Planner Compass, Skin Job, and Axiom Library. All great projects, all funding in Zemo, all within the next three to six days will be ending. So I'll try to get the podcast out a little bit sooner tonight. All funded, but there's no such thing as too much funding. So yeah, go check all of those people, projects these people out. people deserve more money, damn it. Um, yeah, this is good absolutely. shit they're putting out. It's good shit. <laughs> I, I backed every one of these. Um, <laughs> what, I, what I decided to start doing is actually have a separate page that's not the one on the podcast. So I'm logged out of Kickstarter and the one that shows... So I stop like exposing myself and the amount of money I spend on projects. But then you just um, send it anyway, so it's not like it would have mattered, you know. Hey, yeah, but you know they don't need to see like the thirty other th- anyway. Uh, so um, so that's kickstart the podcast for this week. Um, four great projects. We're going to continue with our Zemo kickstart the project. Um, kickstart the podcast next week. We might actually be able to wrap up all of the projects that um. Our initial tweet asking, hey, tell us about your project. Um, uh, 
the responses that we got for that and then hit some other projects that are out on Kickstarter, on Indiegogo, on um, Itch and and some other ones as well. I've got so, a few. There's there's a lot of Into oh. the Odd stuff coming out for Into the Odd Remastered. Yeah. And you know I'm a little mm-hmm. I'm a little into the odd fucking fanboy, so yeah, Mark of the Odd, get it. Uh, yeah, fun stuff next week. Um, we don't need we don't need to get a little preview of that. So that's that's Kickstarter the podcast for this week. We did it. Um, we did it, and right exactly on time. We're getting wow, better we're doing at this. really good today. We're doing uh, good. I'm caffeinated. You're awake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I didn't sleep at all, so I'm I'm super awake yeah. actually. For those who do listen to the podcast, um, just so you know, this is a little more raw, I think, than maybe some other ones. We stream the podcast. We stream this directly onto Twitch, um, and then the VODs get put directly to YouTube as is. And I do basically no editing for the podcast, just chopping out kind of our break with what is now a commercial break for our socials. Um, So if you like kind of raw get what you get podcasting we are the one for we're you great so. we're just you know, we stream and stream of consciousness at the same time you know like it's exactly <laughs> there's nothing going on upstairs yeah. what you okay. see is what you get so today we are going to be talking what, what, about what are we talking about well, today? we're talking about 12 years talk about 12 we years are ta- we are talking yes. about 12 years let me get let me get some of this stuff out of the way real quick uh and we will kick over to no i'm gonna stay on this i'm gonna stay on this window for a second so we can actually as we talked about earlier i'm gonna actually go to the um nope the one we talked about my screen's a little bit bigger Ah. to look at the actual 12 year zine this is just gorgeous it's so good looking you know i'm furious at how awesome the one with the that he made for the other creators with the uh oh my god i'm like oh that's i'm mad how cool that shit is bro Uh, it's really good (laughs) and uh and it's not kind of coming through as well on on camera for those that can't see it i'm showing the 12 year zine uh so go look at our vod but it's like this green it's green foiling so it's really nice and shiny and beautiful and as we talked about in the interview with max moon the the zine itself is black the foiling is green all green and then it has these green staples on the side that just keep it going. And it's just such a beautifully done zine. And as I said, he he hand makes all of these. One of the other and things that I actually... Fan, we're about to read through. This is a fantastic game. Like, it is, reading oh yeah. through this was so enjoyable. And I was bummed out because I didn't... I was going to just run a solo by myself this week. And I my week just didn't pan out. Um, but this is a fucking clever game. Man, this is someone yeah. who, like has a good idea of what is enjoyable about like this style and we'll get into it of like like dungeon-esque crawling hex crawling um and how to make it more enjoyable for one person you know um, yeah. well or multiple people because there are you know, ways and more. we'll talk about that and the way you can um, do multiplayer is clever as well you know it's so smart well and then i really want to talk about those uh those numbers because we'll talk about those numbers we'll talk um, about numbers yeah so one of the other things I want to show people is this. I haven't shown you this yet, have I, Hunter? Oh no! So That's this, so cool. this beautiful folder I got from Max Moon's website, and it comes with a ton of content, like extra stuff in it, like this That's bookmarker. Bullshit. I'm so yeah. angry about that. Oh yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute. It, it, it's a bookmarker, but it also has got the enemy enemy like list that you can do on the back. And it comes with um, 
the monster tables, all of the quick plays. Um, it comes with a bunch of uh, party sheets, uh, delving sheets, and hex sheets all inside. And this beautiful, like, spray paint art um, in this folder was done by the Eye Wizard. I, I believe, if I'm not wrong, there were only 10 of these um, 12 years folders that exist in the world. Uh, I got number nine. It was actually the last one left on Maximum's website after I discovered iWizard. Um, just uh, check them out on Instagram. They do this really, really, really beautiful boxes and, and uh, art like this and one-offs of a lot of stuff and, and really amazing things. Um, but I was so excited to actually get my hands on one of these. And then when you order it, you get all of this extra stuff in it, like all of the handouts basically um, inside the game. So you don't even need to, uh, like use the stuff. I don't like using things that are in the book. I, I would rather buy a yeah. second oh, I book. Either. Yeah. I yeah. Don't yeah. either. I like my books to be and, pristine forever. Yeah. They are. It's like, like yeah. it's like putrescence regnant. I got the vinyl regular one and the special edition so I could play the regular one and never take the special edition one outside of anything and probably frame it. Um, so I would rather buy, I have, in fact, bought two versions of books that have those tear out maps in the back so that I can tear the map out of one and not tear the map out of the other. Um, <laughs> but, uh, or so it's, it's, you just get the PDF and order a print for the PDF. Yeah. Now. Uh, I would definitely just make photocopies of this stuff too. But anyway, this is from the iWizard. Um, they have some amazing content. Maybe we'll see a little bit more of that sometime in the future. Um, but really cool thing. And the way it works, uh, with 12 years, since it is a folder, you can actually put your 12 years zine into the folder. And then this piece here holds so in place right with now. the max moon. <laughs> I'm and so then mad it, at this right now. <laughs> it folds up and then you have it all, all tucked into one safe little <laughs> spot. So very excited for this. Super, super cool. Um, and that is kind of the preview of just how beautiful the, the preview of the zine. book around the deep dive. <laughs> yeah, the preview of the preview of the game. Um, so oh. let me go to the correct screen. I need to name these slightly Fresh. differently. Yeah. So this is 12 years. Um, this is by Max Moon. I don't know if you have heard of him recently. He was just on a <laughs> podcast about half an hour ago. If you're just um, now tuning in, you missed a whole interview with the person who wrote this. So you know what's great about uh, you, you as well. Um, I think you're having a similar experience to mine. Um, you know that I have a a friend of the show who is an amazing content creator, um, and it's uh, a lot of those like don't meet your heroes. Kind of situations yeah. i've met a couple of mine or people that i really really enjoy and yeah. i i'm i'm batting a thousand right now on finding just amazing people um yeah, dude, you know friend of the show johan nor and and friend of the show yeah. max moon both of them you're just like wow you guys are like really just cool guys like honestly we could have i could have chopped it up with max moon about like a variety of subjects for like quite yeah. a while like i'm really interested yeah. in like you know, what synthesizers he uses on stage, if he's using, like, yeah. actual like, keyboard synthesizers or if they're just building noise machines, which, by the way, guys, is fucking awesome to do, and I highly suggest it. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Um, and then who you're talking about, who is the king himself, Sir uh, Victory, um, is, is fucking great. Um, but, yeah. yeah meet, meet, meet the people you aspire to, to you know, whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, I, absolutely. Uh, and um, 
we have, I mean, again, we've been fortunate enough to meet those people, to have a couple of them on the show, and hopefully we'll be able to continue meeting people whose content, I know a lot of people don't like using the word content, whose games um, we really, really enjoy. And uh, like I said, so far, all of the people that we've met have been fantastic. And, I think you uh, have to say content, though, because we ha- we're having artists on, too, and it's not just the game that we enjoy, it's the art, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it is content, but, I, I, again, I think some people have don't want to be called content creators. They are they are yeah. artists, and they are game designers, and, and we'll go with that. But, as you said, Max Moon, super awesome guy. Honestly, I think we could have talked forever, um, especially the amount of stuff that we hit in the 15 minutes before the show started. It just whew, ran the gamut. All, all good things. Um, or at least interesting things. So 12 years. But what we're talking about today is this game, 12 years. And so then. it is not a super long zine. It's only 36 pages, and a lot of that um, in the end is play sheets and oh things like God, that. Oh, my God, it's hyperlinked. It I is. did not realize that. I didn't realize it either because I didn't read the PDF for this one. I actually physically wanted to hold the zine while I was doing it. Max. Good man. for you, buddy. Um, <laughs> completely hyperlinked. Uh, I'm so proud. Um, yeah. So, 12 years. The Just the uh, initial story. I actually want to read this whole poem because it gives you the whole thing, and I love that it's a poem. Yeah. So, to kick off. <clears throat> 12 years ago today, the wild prophet returned from Fay. Madness about their addled minds, starkly waving antler tines. A smile shone of secrets learned and visions of the known world burned. The prophets ranting hardly heard, you alone did heed their word. The king of old is risen bone, rots with hatred on his throne. Bear the skull that bore a crown, a coronation shall lay him down. Twelve years from now, if none succeed... The king's dead army on fearsome steed brazenly burns all that lives, and death wel- becomes a welcome gift. So, bars, dog, yeah. bars in this bitch. <laughs> so, basically, the story of 12 years is that uh, there is this realm of Fae that exists, and every 12 years, the Lich King, who lurks in the sunken castle of the south, um, wait for the completion of a coronation ritual. Basically, you need to put a crown on his head after he rises within 12 years of his rising, or he will like raise up an undead army and wipe out everything. And you're probably going to fail, is, is basically the introduction to the game. It's uh, like so a this mix is... of Final Fantasy X and Adventure Time. Because Final Fantasy X has sin. They have to kill every 10 yeah. years. Uh, and then there's Adventure Time has the Lich King. Um, or the Lich, yeah. Fucking, that's so cool. It's a very cool concept for a game. Yeah, it's great. And what, what's really cool about it too is it is DM-less tabletop role-playing game that you can play solo or with multiple players. And the with multiple players is so interesting. So yeah. we'll get into that. But you basically, um, everything you do, whether it's uh, exploration or dungeon delving is all randomly generated and all of your things uh as you go are tables that you roll on so to do it by yourself um you it is super easy to just sit down and have this adventure um and we'll, we'll explain kind of how that works um but you basically assemble a party 
you sojourn out into the wilderness, you find the Lich King's uh, resting place, you coronate him, or the whole world ends. Good luck. Um, you alternate between, like I said, hexploring and dungeon delving. Hexploring is when you actually have hexes on a map that are more of like a large environment area, like a forest or a lake or something like that. And dungeon delving is where we actually go room by room uh, and in more kind of the transitional like dungeon delving. That's why it's well, called delving. Well, it's funny because uh, last week on Kingdoms, we talked about this difference between micro play and macro play in that game. And this game also has a micro play and a macro play. The macro play is your hex floor and you're going you're going a hex crawl, which I fucking love hex crawls. I love yeah, hex crawls. I'm falling more um, and more in love with them. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, it's I think I think 5e underutilized hex crawls, whereas old D D was like very hex crawly. Um yeah. and I think I'm glad that it's old school revival point being. And then you have the micro, which is the dungeon delving. Yeah. I I I just love the concept of the hex crawl with the dungeon delve, like uh Bastards from Mike <clears throat> Anderson is a really cool, yeah. very small game. And the way that uh they do their adventures is it's just three columns of seven hexes and there's a dungeon somewhere on there and then you just kind of go um when uh chris Bissett did uh i my brain doesn't work so i apologize um it's the end of the night oh, for you so you're about to is, go to bed I, so that's forgiving i've been up for a long time it's not treasures of the troll king it is the um god is it the eyeless god um regardless uh there that adventure is um a a hex crawl which is fantastic but it has those moments in it where you kind of do more of a dungeon delve so it's just a really cool concept that i like a lot in um in a lot of the osr um rules light games that are out right now um the god of many faces sorry about that gotcha. um is a is a the pamphlet one. adventure yeah no it's, it's fantastic i i posted it on our on our instagram it's a pamphlet adventure um for a Merkborg that has that is based around a hex crawl um and it reminds me of this long story short we love hexes they're fantastic utilize them and they're utilized really really well in an interesting way here in 12 years um to continue with the introduction there are no turns in 12 years play is considered parallel um so if you do have someone else that you are playing with in your solo adventure but you know competitively or or collaboratively um it all happens kind of at the same time um and again I, I i keep wanting to talk about it but i'm gonna wait um till we get to that part to talk about how cool the rules are to play this solo game with multiple people totally um but what it basically says is death is undoubtedly in your future for any given party member it's unlikely that your party the first party you make will succeed and we'll talk about party creation in a second um, so it'll probably take multiple adventuring parties with you playing the entire party before you're able to sex successfully crown the Lich King or at least get there or 12 years passes and everything falls to ruin and, and, and yeah. destruction. <laughs> and, like, you failed. There, and we'll get into it too. There are mechanics that will take years away from you. Uh, oh, a lot of them. Very, very, very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, because you, 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 you're in this like Fey realm. You're in the Fey. So as we talked about on the in the interview with Max, who is very into this kind of like dark aspect of of Fey, kind of pre Disney It's a it's an old old traditional Fey, like old superstitious yeah. traditional Fey. The good, um, the good, the good Fey. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's, I fucking love this. I love this so much. Yeah. I like my Fey to be like creepy, creepy. and yep. yeah, creepy and like 
oh, you're so beautiful. I just want to stare at you forever. So you're going to be here with me forever. And you're like, oh, wait, what? Fuck no. Wait, what? Yep. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, and that's, that's where you're taking your adventuring party. So yeah. good luck. Um, so uh, there's a getting started section that basically talks about uh, you use dice. Um, it uh, it's a lot of note taking, but I don't think it's it's um, it sounds like fun note taking, which which I don't think in my head I, I don't like yeah. taking notes and reading through this. I was like, this is not too oh. much note. I'm good with this. I I absolutely never take notes. So session <laughs> to session, I have no idea what happened last time. So it's fun playing a dumb character where I'm just like, wait, what are we doing again? Because I have no clue. Um. And then, uh, and then it says it comes with um, hexpression sheets, delving sheets, and quick start rules in the back, which is fantastic. Um, and once you get the hang of it, you're basically just going to use those quick start sheets as references for your roll tables, and that's about it. Um, so to uh, to start it off, you assemble your party. So in this game, you are not a character; you are the entire party, which is really really cool way to do this. Um, and there are four different types of party members you can have. Um, so the first thing that you do is roll 4d4 to determine starting party members. So there's obviously four. You roll four of them. You see what you get. Why don't you roll 4d4 and see what your party looks like? Uh, I got a 4411. <laughs> you got two giants and two hermits. Perfect. I got some healers yeah. and I got some big boys. So, yeah, um, you record those on a character sheet. You uh, name them. Um, any character without a name dies instantly. <laughs> I love that. That part yeah. was just like, I was like, okay, fuck you, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nope, you gotta name them. Yeah. Roll for starting weapons, loot, and gold, and set off in search of the lich queen. What's really interesting is your character can die in character creation. So uh, yeah. if, if they oh, do, you have one less character. There's a ton of your character to die in character creation. Constantly. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. Um, so to go over the party members you get, um, we'll go over all four real quick. Um, you basically get an archetype, which is we, um, the, their HP, uh, the power that they have, and their weakness, which is interesting. Um, you have a hermit, a rogue, fae folk, and a giant. Hermit has 8 HP, the power of healing, and their weakness is pacifist. Uh, the rogue has 12 HP, they can disable traps, and their weakness is self-preservation. The fae folk have 10 HP, their power is lore, and their weakness is iron averse. And there's a giant who has 30 HP. Their power is brute force, and their weakness is slow. But he's a little slow. He's a little slow boy. Yeah. you know. Same, so, same uh, guy. <laughs> the power descriptions: um, when you're healing, which is for the hermit, when the party rolls a successful hit, the hermit may choose to fully heal the party instead of the party doing any damage to the enemy. Very cool. Um, disable traps just automatically table traps. Uh, lore: the party cannot become lost in the fey. And may freely evade any lost in the Fey roles and circumstances. That is massive. Huge. 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 If you so start big. With a with a with a Fey folk, listen, you are gonna have at least partially an easier time. Not an easy time, but there's a lot of fucking yeah. up that you might not run into. And then with the giant, you get brute force, which is plus one damage to all of your party rules, which is cool. The weaknesses I really, really love too. Uh pacifist, yeah. which is again the hermit. Um, up until now, the Hermit has always been a pacifist, never trained in combat, so they're unable to use armor, shields, and any weapons other than a staff, so they start with a staff. Um, Self-preservation, which is a rogue, they avoid combats, letting others take the hit, so they can reroll once when a successful attack targets the rogue. If the reroll targets the rogue, they will take the damage. So basically, they can avoid getting hit. So it's a weakness. Feels a little bit like a power. 
Um, yeah. yeah, they just pass the hit off to somebody else, you know? Ironiverse cannot use metal weapons or armor and takes plus one damage from metal weapons in PvP combat. And then, uh, and this is for the Fae, and they roll 1d6 for starting weapons, sling, staff, bow, or sling, staff, bow. Um, I like how it all sticks to this d6, and they'll just number it twice instead of doing the d3. Um, so it's... Because there's no d3 dice I in the I've never, I've, You know, that's good, because I've never held a d3 in my life. So. I know it exists. I know it exists. <laughs> it, but it's got a weird, like, yeah, rolly... A, a, yeah. yeah, I know exactly what you're talking it's about. It's kind of like a rounded triangle. Um, and then slow, which is the giant, while evading... Cannot successfully retrieve loot or achieve any other result requiring a four on an evasion roll. An evasion roll of four has the same effect as a three in which the party escapes freely. And we'll get into evasion. It's a huge component of the game right. here in just a little bit. Um, you roll for starting gold, one, five, ten, or twenty on a d4. Um, and then it goes into uh, weapons and damage. You roll one d6 on the table. Um, and for each party member and any newcomer who, arri who arrives later, except Fae Folk and Hermits. So there are opportunities to meet uh, new characters uh, that can join your party, new friends throughout the adventure. Um, the I'll start at the bottom, actually. Uh, the weakest one is a sling. It's 1d4, cost of gold. Um, there's a staff, which is 1d6, which costs a, cost a gold. There's a bow, which is 1d8, which is 6 gold. A sword, which is 1d8, which is 6 gold. A spiked flail, which is 1d10, which is 8 gold. And an axe, 1d12 for 10 gold. Um, so you roll this, and clearly for hermits, you don't have to because they just get their bow um, or their staff. And then for fey folk, uh, numbers 4, 5, and 6 are something that they roll on their class anyway they can't have right. axe spiked flail or sword so yeah. really the only one that could have an axe spiked flail or sword is the rogue of the giant um and then loot a lot of tables here in the beginning before it hits the the core but it makes sense um loot can yeah, be freely it, it shared it makes a lot of sense it is very table heavy at first and reading through it the first time i was like oh there's a lot of tables and then like when i got into like the meat of it i was like oh okay cool this it, it's only makes sense good that it's first yeah yeah, it makes sense. You know me. A lot of times I like to see the rules first. I think it makes a lot of sense with this. Yeah. And it does get you rules as you go because you did get the character creation that talks about some of the rules too. Um, loot may be freely shared and traded amongst individual party members. Um, each starting party member and any newcomers begin with one loot item. Loot is determined by the role. There's no limit to what a party can carry. So you are pack horses. Um, there are <laughs> uh, 12 loot items. Uh, some of them have the possibility of becoming unique magical items, um, and you can look at the... We'll go over the magical items chart, but you get um, a mirror, mushrooms, coin, boots, a wooden shield, um, another weapon, armor, a book, ring, a coffer full of 50 gold, um, a key, and a crown. And the ones that can become magical are the mirror, the mushroom, the key, and the crown which yeah because you're gonna sounds... roll for the next one you're gonna roll for the quality of these things too um yeah. well mirror mushroom key and crown kind of sounds like either like an indie like rock band's album title <laughs> um oh yeah but, yeah <laughs> i'd listen so yeah uh it's reminded me of an album that i can't place it or or a band and i can't place it in my mind what it is it's a something and something um it's coheed and but anyway 
Uh, not quite, but yeah, it's there. It's close enough. Um, <laughs> it, it's. I think it is something like the key in the crown. Uh, uh, my brain I mean, doesn't they work. Do have, I do have a song that's called. They have one's the crowning, and then one that's the key. And yeah, but it's a little more uh, folk rocky. Is what I'm thinking of. I'll find it. I'll, um, I'll post it listen, somewhere. No one. Yeah. Nothing's better than Coheed and Cambria, and I will die on that hill. So. Uh, I like Coheed. Um. So, loot quality. <laughs> um, <laughs> you roll 1d6, um, and number one is broken, which reduces the value by one gold. Mundane, which does nothing. Ancient, which doubles the value. Ornate, which multiplies the value by 10. Magic, which roll on the magic's table, reduce value to zero gold. And then roll twice slash trap. You roll twice on this table, combining qualities and effects. Um, there are notes to the loot, which I really, really enjoy. Um, I really like it, too, because there's a lot of, like, individual instances that might happen that Max, like, lays out here. Um, yeah. Like, if you have, like, a broken... If you have to roll twice and you have a broken magic item, it's like, well, it's still... The magic still works. Yeah. Um, oh, or even, like, a trapped <laughs> item that's trapped twice. So, yeah, it, it, they're really interesting. Um, it, it, I mean, I know that they play tested the shit out of this game, so I can only yeah. imagine it, it came up and like came that. up and came up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It does sound like they um, really, uh, yeah, just paid attention to the little tiny minutia of of things that could happen where you might have a question. I feel like it's probably going to be answered. So. And there's there's a lot of that in this game, whereas you go on because it's all random generation, and like obviously in random generation, some instances can pop up and. They're, they're almost all accounted for, and I couldn't really think of any that weren't accounted for, even when it went to the Hex generation. And I was like reading some of the like, oh, well, if this happens, this is what's going to happen. And you're like, oh, that's interesting that you had a contingency for this. But yeah, there yeah. is a contingency for fucking everything you can come across. They play, they obviously play a test of the shit out of this game. So Absolutely. Um, loot notes. Oh, round the value down to the nearest whole coin. There are no smaller increments than one gold. Um, if rolling more than one effect, broken applies first. Broken magic items retain their magical powers. I'm going to skip the long one, go to the bottom first, then come back. I love this one. This one really gets me. If two or more of the same results are rolled, such as ancient, ancient, you just read the first instance as very and apply the effect twice. So if you get an ancient, ancient sword, it's just a very it's ancient sword. a very sword. ancient sword. Yeah. Um, but the effect is doubled. Uh, the, the value is doubled. So now the value is double doubled. It's like a Big Mac or uh, whatever, the double double. I don't remember what <laughs> fake, like what garbage meat place sells that. In and that. out, but you know, whatever. Oh, In and Out is overrated garbage. Uh, keep your Bible versus yourself. If a second six, did you have an In and Out opinion that we needed to go over? I was gonna say I think In and Out. I don't. I don't think it's God like everyone else talked about. But I had In and Out last night, and I was like, this is this is good, this is perfectly fine. You know, they have In and Out in in, in your <laughs> state. You saw my face. Yeah, they have In and Out. In Dallas, man. Dallas is the next LA, except worse in every way, somehow. Um, somehow. Well, it's, I mean, LA is a lot of red in it, but not quite. Yeah, Five Guys has better fries, which is an opinion that was posted um, in our chat, which I know we're not trying to like, we're, we're podcasting, so we're not trying to talk to chat all the time, but just for the record, Five Guys does have better fries. I don't know. I don't really eat. Eat Fast food, burger food, joints. Ryan. Why yeah. not? Um, they don't eat meat. If a <laughs> second six is rolled when determining quality, 
The item is trapped and deals 1d12 damage upon retrieval. If a loot roll results in trapped loot when assembling the party, record it. If there's no rogue in the party, then the trap goes off, dealing damage to the corresponding party member. If one or more party member dies while assembling the party, the adventure may begin with fewer than four party members. So if you roll to have a trapped item and it kills one of your people, they're dead. And you they're just dead. go with fewer people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good they're dead. Luck. You have one less party member. Hopefully you bump into somebody along the way that you can recruit into your party. Um, because <laughs> you can die immediately. Um, so damn funny. Honestly, like so clever. And this, I mean, like, this is just like a clever little game. Um, it's, I, I really do. There's just like, again, so it's, it's simple and it's hard to make. I feel like it's sometimes hard to make simple really good, like, or feel... Dude, this would be so hard to make. Like, simple yeah. and randomly generated? Like, yeah, that's it hard. It kind of reminds me... I feel like Into the Odd and, and like, Maze Rats remind me of games where you're just like, fuck, like, those mechanics are so simple but make so much sense. It just hurts my brain almost a little bit for just how you're just like, oh, you just do this, this, and you're good, you know? Yeah. Like, so and this magics. reminds me of that a little bit. So magics, we have a, a nice D8 table here to roll for the magic effects on items. Um, once again, like all the other random generation, there are some like caveats at the end, and they're called, I think, unique items, but we'll get there when we get there. Um, going through the table, uh, one through eight, first is going to be cursed. Uh, the effect is compel, <laughs> compelled to retrieve or consume. Use immediately and keep if not consumable. Permanent minus one to damage rolls, and it's permanent. It's forever. Um, so curse is curse is a fun one. Hope you don't fail that role. Clairvoyant is our second choice. Number two, clairvoyant. Um, choose which party member takes damage rather than rolling. Um, yeah, so that's that's interesting. It's like, yeah, I get to see the future and I know that you're gonna take damage um instead of us rolling for it. Um, and it's also a permanent effect. Three is rejuvenate, uh, resurrect and fully heal a single party member. That's a really good one because resurrect and fully heal. It is single use though. Four is moon kissed. In the place of a successful attack, heal any party member five HP or use once at any time to fully heal the party. Um, and this is basically on your choice. Uh, five is demonic. Instantly possesses one party member, roll at random. Um, and the party member encounters, or the party immediately encounters them as an enemy. It's got a little asterisk, and we'll go down. And the asterisk is, if demonic loot items are rolled when assembling a party, the possessed party member dies, and no combat occurs. So if you find this item out in the wild, somebody gets possessed. But if it's during party creation, you're fucking, you, that party member just dies. Um, and that's the end of them. Six is uh, thorning. Covered in the magical thorns, add plus one damage or it's like plus one to damage, or use once to add plus one to any attack roll. It's another choice one. Seven, Fey Touched. Uh, one enemy falls under your spell and obeys your command, effectively joining your party, single use. Um, and eight is Death. Instantly kills one enemy, single use. Fantastic. Amazing. Um, God, yeah. One, currently, there's, a, there's some bad options on here. Um, and... and Previously, it said magic items have the, we lower the value to zero, and right here it kind of explains magic items are too fearsome and powerful for, to find a willing buyer. Um, in the multiplayer game, players are welcome and encouraged to buy and sell and trade magic items between them, um, but NPCs will not buy magic items. Um, so their gold value is inherently zero, which I thought was really interesting. 
Um, kind of scrolling down to our next page. We're on page nine now. Some magic items are considered unique and have special effects, like I said before, um, and they're listed below. Specific loot quality combinations determine unique items. For example, when a roll results in finding a magic mirror or magic key, do not roll a power. Um, in contrast, a magic mushroom becomes unique only if the magic power is either fey, touch, or death. Um, so for unique items, we have magic mirror. Um, so if you roll mirror and then you roll that the quality is magical, uh, do, you don't roll power, the party is immediately compelled to enter a one-way portal and become lost in the lost in the Fey for 1d10 years. This is a 12-year game, and you can out the gate just go, fuck it, 10 years are gone. Uh, gone. You're you're in you're done. Uh, not done, but you're pretty you're pretty close. Yeah, big oof on that one. Um, our next one, I love how brutal this game is, by the way. Like, yeah. I do not yeah. dislike it. Like, I really do enjoy it. But also, Absolutely. if you have a Fey in your party, I assume that you just ignore the loss of the Fey roll. Like, because you have a Fey touching party. It does say in the rules you ignore all loss in the Fey rolls. So, Magic Mirror, um, so, yeah. you, I mean, my I just friend. Rolled a, I rolled a party with no Fey in it, so yeah. I got two Giants and two Hermits, and we're, we're going to the... But hey, you know, actually, let's just see if my party rolled this real quick. I just want to see. Um, oh no! I, I was going to ask you once you finished it. I rolled a ten. Yeah. I rolled a well, ten. Well, why don't you? So before we get too deep in the magic items, why don't you roll a loot? Why don't you roll a d twelve? Yeah, let's roll some loot. You know, this is a short yeah. book. We're making good time. Like, let's let's roll some loot. Yeah. Um, okay. First thing I'm rolling is a d ten, right? No, a d twelve. My dice roll just go. Oh, it's right here. I'm an idiot. Uh, d. Okay, d twenty. Gotcha. Um, six. Six is a weapon. It's a weapon. Ooh. Roll okay. another one. Roll another one. Okay, yeah. We don't want that result. Seven. Armor. Okay. Cool. Armor. Why don't you roll me one D4? One. The mirror. <laughs> All you, right. Well, yeah, you you narrow it down to those the first four. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, no. It would. It was the four magical ones. I was going to see which magical uh, item you got. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Remember the band, the mirror, mushroom, D6. key, and crown. Yeah. Uh, then yeah, roll a d six. Five. Uh dude, no magic. fucking way. There's no way you'd literally just roll magic mirror after we talk about magic mirror. <laughs> I, I did. I, I'll, you want me to share my screen real quick? <laughs> no, I believe you. That's fine. Um, but yeah. So anyway, so you you would you didn't roll a fey either. You have two giants and hermits. You're fucked. I There's have two ten giants. Why do you? Roll I a did. Ten. I rolled a ten. I did. I rolled. No, a 10. you didn't. I uh, did roll a fucking ten. <laughs> guys, we are not so making this up for the show. My party immediately out the gate is like, "Fuck it, you got Gone. twelve years." Nah, you got two. Um, you got two. And since I don't have a Fey in my group, there are way there's a ton of circumstances in which you're gonna lose more years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fucking big hysterical. Okay, continuing yeah. on with the unique magic items. We only have a couple more. Um, the magic key can be used once to transport the party directly to any stone portal, which we'll get to. Um, very useful. Uh, Fey touched mushrooms. So the mushrooms, there's two different mushrooms, right? Um, mushrooms are a magic item, but remember, like I said before, you can roll on the magic table for it and have any power, but there's two unique ones. Fey touched mushroom. Party is compelled to eat the mushroom and becomes lost in the Fey for 1d4 years. Um, brutal. Uh, death mushroom. A random party member, excluding Fey folk, is compelled to eat the mushroom and immediately dies. Um, <laughs> cool. Very cool. Um, and the last one, ancient magic crown. An alternative win condition. So an alternative win condition to winning this game. 
Upon finding and destroying the original magic crown, the lich is destroyed. Uh, in the unlikely scenario that a party member begins the game with this loot item, the gnomling thief, <laughs> Popplecrop <laughs> Slink, Popplecrop Slink kills them and steals the crown. Um, so this is a magic item that you can find um, that creates an alternative win condition. Um, inversely, if you start with it, a, <laughs> a fucking gnome named Popplecrop is going to steal it from you. Um, yeah, I think Popplecrop comes up later colors. in the Friends. Yeah, dude, yeah. like literally, yay, I rolled this statistically incredibly improbable thing. Okay, you all get murdered. Start again. Um, Good times. After being lost in the favor one to ten years. But so the only way to roll ancient magic crown... You have to roll, be, uh, yeah, roll a uh, the crown, then roll a six, and then roll ancient and magic, and yeah. So it's like it's it. I mean, it's so unlikely. Statistically, you have to roll a twelve, and then you have to roll a six, and then you have to roll a three and a five. Yeah. But if you do those things, if that that little secret cheat code, you're dead. It's not impossible. It's really exceedingly unlikely. Uh, I wish, but it's not so, possible. I, I wish I was good at statistics sometimes because it would make game creation easier. I realize now that my inability to really do math. Whew. You know, I don't wish I was good at statistics because then I'd have to learn statistics. So I'm good. I'm no, good I didn't say I, I didn't say I wanted to learn it. I said I just wanted to know it. You know, there's a different yeah. osmosis. I want to plug into the matrix. Work. Plug me into the matrix. Give me some some <clears throat> Jeet Kune Do and some statistics and I'm good to go. You know? So combat. Combat's really interesting in this. I uh, I really like combat, and I'm good to keep reading for a little bit. So I'm going to read the combat rules as well. Um, combat is considered a chaotic brawl rather than a tactical turn-by-turn -turn encounter, which is fantastic because we all know turn-by-turn -turn can get a little brutal sometimes. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It works well in some situations, but I think we've all been sitting there on our phones, you know? Maybe yeah. not me. But not brutal in a fun definitely. way. Brutal in like a slog way. In a slog way. Um, attack yeah. rolls represent a simultaneous series of attacks and parries by everyone in the room. Combat consists of a single 1d6 that applies to the whole party and all enemies in the encounter using the following results table. I love it. I love it so much. Cool. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I lost you there for it. I lost you there for a second. Um, I just... Yeah, keep going. It might be my, my connection. That might not be good today. Um because it's cold outside you know um that's how it's like it works 80 degrees so, here what are you talking about is it really god 80, fuck high 82 today fuck you guys fuck california burn the whole state down um okay oh 84 i'm sorry 84 today wow cool anyway keep going um combat rules so d6 right on a, a one um it, it, so the, the table is divided up let's read real quick it's result deals as in who deals damage take as in who takes damage the type of damage, and then the effect. So on the one, the enemy is the person who deals damage. The party takes damage. It's a palpable hit, which is kind of like a, a, a crit, essentially. Um, and the effect is it's double damage. Um, so you'll take double damage. Two is enemy deals. Party takes the hit. Type is a hit. It's normal damage. Three, enemy deals. Party takes the hit. It's a weak hit, which is half damage. And then four is a tie. Both hit. Both. I'm oh, sorry. Both deal. Both hit. It's a weak hit, and both deal half damage. On five, party deals, enemy takes, it's a hit, normal damage. And on six, party, enemy, palpable hit, 
double damage. So basically, one through three, the party takes damage. Um, four, both take damage. And then five and six are where you really want to hit. Um, it's actually almost, not statistically totally like, but it's very, very close to a 2d6 system um, and a partial success. Um, yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, there's no bell curve. This is, you have a one in six chance there's of hitting no, any there, of these. That's right. There's no bell curve, but there is a, there's almost like a, four is a partial success, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then oh, five yeah, yeah. is a success and six is a critical success. Oh, which, um, I see what you're saying. So there is, there's like, yeah, it's like half and half. Like one to three is generally like even or bad for the bad guys and four through six is even or bad for the good guys or so scratch that reverse it but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. reverse it i see what scratch you're saying it, reverse yeah. it throw it up chop it up uh yeah so it's a really interesting system um and it, it like a very it's very easy to understand um and immediately when you read it you're like this makes sense and you know what i fucking it's... love i love that this game this game it, you know it, todd howard it just works you know it just works i it does. i absolutely it love just works this so well <laughs> i love this so we're gonna go over damage here in a second but literally because you're playing an entire party at one time the fact that an entire round of combat is one d6 roll i mean it's oh, a little bit more because you have to you roll damage right. yeah, for yeah, the yeah. stuff you you add a couple of things in but can you imagine playing this game in a traditional like like you're controlling four people plus bad guys and you're literally sitting there rolling every single character's dice so like if you're fighting like four things you're rolling turns for eight different things on the board calculating all those things like it just becomes you're at this point you're just like you have to like the click the click the desk with like the piece of paper that's just like rolling out is like, that even that's, it, that is that even fun at that point i know it's not it's horribly unfun yeah that'd be terrible that'd be just can you imagine okay so first of all 5e you know we all played it it has its faults um can you imagine Wait, do you just like doing 5e? an entire slot listen it it uh, it is what it is um uh can you imagine doing an entire combat against some like 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 bullet sponge 350 hp monster with like four party members all by yourself just rolling dice no so you I use would, this instead i would i would uh, that's a nightmare i would hate that yeah. i would hate no. to show that this is so clean and so simple and so well done. Like it's it's literally just like you said, split it in half, and it's either equal or bad for one, or equal or bad for the other, or equal or good for the other. Like it, it's just it's it's just really really smart done. Um, do you want to do damage? Yeah, go for it. Oh, you want me to take it over? Yeah, if you wouldn't mind. All right. So damage is dealt by the whole party or as a group of enemies rather than as individual characters, which is exactly what we just talked about. After a successful attack roll, combine and roll all damage dice for the party, calculate the total, distribute it amongst the enemies as you choose. And I like this. Managing enemy hit points can become tedious. Yes, Max, it can. That's literally <laughs> what we just talked about. So damage is dealt to a single enemy of your choice. And when the enemy dies, excess damage is carried over. So in simple terms, you roll this D6, right? And let's just say that you roll a six. So your party... Um, deals damage the enemy takes it it's a palpable ah, we'll, we'll say five it's just a hit and you do normal damage okay so if your two giants and your two hermits have a staff each and a uh let's say they the giant has an axe each right right you get we'll scroll back up to our weapon damage section uh you I get scroll up right now i was like crap what is it <laughs> Well, it's also hyperlink, so just go to the top and click it. Um, That's very true. 
So it's 1d12 for an axe, so it would be 2d12 for the hit, plus, don't forget the brute strength bonus, that's an extra plus one each on the damage for being a giant. So it's 2d12 plus two if they're at level, I think they start at level one, so plus one each yeah. as well as that. And then for your staff, it'd be 2d6s plus two, one for each of the levels of the character. Add all that stuff up, and then just apply that to whichever enemy you want to apply it to. That's how it works. And if that damage kills that enemy, say they have 10 left and you roll a total of 20 damage, that extra 10 applies to whichever enemy you want to apply it to next, and so on and so forth until the damage is done, and that's a round of combat. And then you just roll another d6 and do another round of combat. Yeah, and for uh, for those following along, I rolled 2d12s and 2d6s, and I rolled 31. Um, 31 so flat is your rolls? 31 flat. And so then you add the um, the giant's bonus for plus one damage to the party. So it's four four for the giant, so you're at 35. Yes. And then another two for the hermit. So you're 37 points of damage in one round of combat with two giants and two hermits. Get it. So when we go over monsters, Giant, we'll see how many, a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, how many, uh, how many skeletons you could kill with thirty-seven points of damage. Um, so we'll see. Oh, and everything I just announced, uh, it, it's here. So, so let me, let me, let me actually keep reading. Um, so in Max's words, after a successful attack roll, roll the whole party's damage and apply the multipliers to the roll. For example, a level two party of two giants wielding spiked flails, a little bit different rolls 1d10 so the total is 2d10 if the damage roll is a 10 plus one for the giant's brute force ability and plus two for the giant's level it's everything i just said it's a bunch of damage you got 36 this time the equation is written out total damage equals in parentheses party damage roll plus party level per member plus other bonuses times parentheses any modifiers so don't forget your pem dash kids um so yeah, so that is how a roll, that is how a, a round of combat goes and the damage is assigned. So the same thing applies to party members. So if you roll for the enemy to hit, the, all of the enemies would roll all of their damage. And then I believe we'll get to it later, but yeah, targeting party members, we'll talk about that in a second, but it, it gets applied to one party member, which is crazy. You can just insta-kill a party <laughs> member. Yeah. <laughs> so this this next part is, is something we talked about before, unarmed strike, which is, I guarantee this is, I mean, I don't guarantee. I'd be surprised if this was in the original, but then someone was like, hey, I actually lost my sword. What do I do? And now there's all rule for unarmed strikes. Um, in the rare circumstance, you find yourself with unarmed party members that need to make an unarmed attack. Uh, the base is zero damage, so no dice are rolled. But with some of your attacks, with evasion and things like that, even if you do zero damage, you're still taking a turn. An unarmed attack may prevent an enemy from getting a successful attack to provide an opportunity to activate the Hermit's healing ability, and modifiers and bonuses still apply to unarmed strikes. For example, a giant in level one party would deal two damage on a normal unarmed strike and four damage on a palpable hit with an unarmed strike. Because even though you don't roll a damage dice, all of the extra modifiers still work, and anything that a successful attack triggers still works as well. So basically, it's exactly the same. There's just no damage dice roll. Um, and then targeting party members. So we talked about what happens to the enemies, but for part for party members specifically, monsters always attack a single party member, 
unless the member dies during the attack to determine which Riddle. party member takes yeah right so if, if you're fighting something that can do 30 points of damage you're, you're dead i mean it's literally just pick one um i mean there's armor and stuff so to determine which party member takes damage assign a number to each member of the party and roll a d4 or the most appropriate die if the party is larger you do this once and record it adjusting when a party member dies death occurs when the party members hit zero or fewer you're just dead there's no death saving throws there's no nothing if you hit zero you toast um if the targeted member dies during the attack the remaining damage spills over to the next one down the line so you actually create a, a, a chain with this if the next party party member is the rogue their self-preservation weakness will trigger another role so the enemies can actually target someone else um when the party size is more or fewer than four choose the appropriate die and repeat the assignment order they have a thing listed here where if you're down to three just roll a d6 and do one two three one two three on one two three right. four five six so on a one or a four it's a one but so basically to explain the chain a little bit you assign all of that at the beginning you roll what kind of the progression is and write that down so if you go hermit giant hermit giant you know and your your last giant or your your when you roll like the three to target it starts on giant and then rolls to the hermit at four and then goes back to the giant at one or whatever and will go around if you die instead of having to roll for the carryover damage you just created a turn chain which is interesting it um, makes sense that's like that's that's a very like sensible way to do that you know yeah to actually just have the chain to start as opposed to yes. uh having to roll it constantly every yeah um, absolutely Evasion is a huge part of combat, um, so you can actually evade combat. There is no reward for clearing the dungeon or clearing the forest. Weighing the consequences of combat may lead to choosing a safer path. There is no shame in fleeing an unnecessary wanted encounter. To attempt to evade, uh, you identify an exit, roll the d4, and use the following table, which, if we look at the weakness of the, your two giants, will have an impact on this. They're slow. So four results. If you roll a one, so again, you you say that's the door. I have an exit. I want to evade. I'm bouncing. Uh, if you roll a one, the enemy hits you and you do not evade. If you roll a two, the enemy follows you to the next room or hex. Um, but caveat to that, if an enemy follows the party into a new room, you do roll for a new encounter in that room before engaging in combat again or attempting another evasion because um, you're still in a new room, and if the thing follows you, now you just have two bad guys you're fighting. Um, enemies will not far follow the party members out of dungeons or into the start hex, but otherwise, they will chase you around hexes and through the dungeon. If you roll a two. Um, number three, party evades all enemies and traps, but does not retrieve any loot. And if you roll that sweet, sweet four, party retrieves all loot, evades enemies and traps. Except so. giants. <laughs> Except giants, which we will get to later, but again, uh, the weakness for giants was while Slow. evading, you cannot successfully retrieve loot or achieve any other result requiring a four on an evasion roll. An evasion roll of four has the same effect as a three. So if you have a giant in your party, you can never evade and get loot. You can just successfully run, and that's it. I think I scrolled way too far. Um, you did. And then, <laughs> like, where, I'm like death, watching the stream. I'm like, where right? are you going, buddy? <laughs> death, 
death, dying, and continuity. You are likely to assemble many parties throughout the adventure, uh, and they're going to die. You're going to fail. Uh, <laughs> they're the odds so going to die. Yeah. You're going to hit a bunch of different adventuring parties with different names and everything like that. I really, really enjoyed this part of the adventure, too. Um, in the very likely scenario they die, uh, record the following. The location and make a note of which party died here. Uh, it says, I number mine. Uh, the total years passed, adding one year each time a full party dies. So every time your party dies, you add a year for the start of your next party because it's not a new 12 years for every party you have. No, it's you 12 start, years. <laughs> you start over at the time the last party died. And then the last part is any remaining enemies, gold, or loot is left behind. So you can actually mark on the map where the party died and what they had. And when the next, if the next party gets to that hex, they can loot the dead bodies of the previous adventuring party. I just, this is just such a good little game. You it's know, so like good. It's I, so good. I have, I have a Valentine's Day date with my girlfriend tonight. And I promise you, the moment she goes to sleep, I'm going to set up my hex grid on my computer and I'm going to play this by myself while she's asleep. There you go. <laughs> um, you or someone else in a multiplayer game may direct another party to visit this location to discover the loot left behind. If you're lucky enough to be killed by a trap, the trap is considered disabled. If you're in the middle of fighting some loathsome monster or creature, know that it remains gloating over its victory. A party member is dead when reduced to zero uh, hit points. A party member may not be healed when reduced to zero. However, they can be resurrected and fully healed with the rejuvenate magic power, which, which I believe super is cool. the... Yeah, super cool. Um... And then I think it's going to talk about it later, but also uh, when we get to the delve, but if you're fighting a, uh, a monster, a, a bad boy, uh, it doesn't heal, but it stays there. So if you create an encounter where there is uh, a, a skeleton in a room, the skeleton's there. And if a future party interacts with that, they fight the skeleton that potentially kills you. skeleton in the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want to hit exploring? Hexploring? Hex exploring. Um, hex exploring refers to the party's overland travel and wanderings. Basically, hex exploring refers to like moving through this hex grid world, this overland map. Um, uh, in some cases, uh, maybe quite direct, making haste towards a clear objective. Other times, the party may meander, scouring the land for signs of a dungeon entrance. While exploring, the party is sure to meet all sorts of strange creatures and travelers. Exploring is where the fae folk find themselves most useful, as the ancient lore they bring with them uh, often serves as a warning to avoid becoming lost uh, and entrance uh, in the fae, or entranced in the fae. Uh, yeah, so getting lost in the fae is a big thing here, and it's going to be your biggest time sink. So the moment you have a, a fae folk, you're like, okay, cool. Uh, that's good. Um, when exploring, complete the following steps each time you enter a new hexagon. Um, and I don't, I don't, have we showed like the blank hex map they provide? Because it's at the end of the book. I don't think we've showed yet. But if you look, I think Ryan will scroll here in a second. Um, they, there's a provided blank hex um, that you can you know make a copy of in print um, or... You know, you can fill out the book if you're a fucking monster. Um, yeah. Um, and if you yeah. look at the hex map, because one of my questions early on before I flipped to this hex page is, how do you know where you're going? Uh, at the bottom of the hex, it's it's one, it's two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, it's six or five across and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven up and down or ten. Um the bottom middle one is start, and the top middle one is castle, and castle is where the Lich King is. So you have to explore the entire way across this specific hex map to get to where you're supposed to be going. 
I love that, like, everything about this is random except the start and the finish. It's like it's as far fucking away as it possibly could be. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> you know? Pretty much. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, so when exploring, uh, complete the following steps each time you enter a new hexagon. So you will roll 1d6 on the hex terrain table, record the results on your hexploring sheet. So this will tell you what kind of hex you enter, essentially. Um, if relevant, roll on the hexploring encounter, uh, recording any permanent encounters. Um, if relevant, I love all these if relevants because it's like, yeah, some of the shit you just might not do in this one. Uh, if relevant, roll on the exploring creature table. Um, when exploring, um, bring the party back, or sorry, when exploring brings the party back to a familiar area, roll 1d6 on the encounter instead of 1d12. And we'll get there in a second. Um, so let's go over exploring terrain. So we have six different options, obviously rolling a d6 for what the terrain is. Um, and the table is just divided up between the result roll, the type, and the description. So number one is a large lake. You cannot enter this hex permanently. Um, return your last hex. Little star there. Uh, and we'll go down to the star, actually. I did it earlier, but we'll go down to the star um, at the end of this. Two is quiet forest. This is a super ideal one. Uh, no encounter on first turn. Uh, it functions as a normal forest upon return, so you'll have to roll on the encounter after that. But if you roll two, it's just a quiet forest, you know? A little, little reprieve from how terrible some of this is going to be for your party. Um, three is a clearing. Always pass freely without roll, rolling encounters. Um, and that's cool. I could definitely see that one as like a, it's a clearing and your party sees something far off. But it's like so they're able to stay low and like move across it, you know, um, or something like that. Uh, four is marsh. Uh, roll on the exploring encounter table. Five is hills, roll in the exploring encounter table. Six is forest, roll in the exploring encounter table. So basically, four, five, and six, you're going to have an encounter. Yeah. Um, I think, two, I think two, Max consistently upon returning. But I think um, Max consistently, when it's only the 1d6, which is not like a bell curve roll, it's just random roll, right. does basically one, two, three is. Yeah. Is as good as you're going to hope for, and four, five, six is is just what level of fuck it, you are. It's, it's essentially 50 50. Um, yeah. but yeah. not quite. Um, and yeah. then the, the, the star that we talked about for the lake one, um, because, and this is a scenario that when they said that I was like, what happens if, and then it was instantly answered if one or more hexes become sequestered by, by lakes. So if basically if you're on a hex and you keep rolling lakes all around you to where you are stuck on a single hex and everything around you is fucking lakes, which like is statistically unlikely, but is possible. Um, then a skull masked bard carrying a drum will offer the ferry a party from any neighboring hex across the river, but they must roll for becoming lost in the Fey for 1d8 years. His dark leather armor appears charred, and he chants the poem at the beginning of the book to a slow droning beat. Fucking so cool. Like, it's uh, it's not it doesn't suck, but it's so statistically unlikely that you will come across this. But if you do, you have this weird, unique encounter with this weird fae. Uh, <laughs> and I and he says the poem from the beginning of the book, and I love that. I so love good. the shit out of that. Uh, so good. Yeah. And then we have this this art this hex art right here, and I really like this. Um, this book is incredibly sparse uh, when it comes to art. And that's fine because of what this book is, but I think this right here is a great example of a good hex art piece, you know? Yeah, this um, is, it's I, like, it's like what? No, go for it. No, it's, it's beautiful. I it just, yeah. as a whole, as what amounts to basically a whole page illustration outside of four lines at the top, 
the fact that it's like a scene and for those that aren't seeing this right now it's it's a hill with uh kind of a stream running out of this open um i don't want to say doorway just opening no, it's in like the a hill. boarded up mine shaft or something it's like know? a boarded up mine opening yeah, yeah yeah with this water running through it with trees growing up beside it with this kind of like marshy so it kind of feels like almost all of the hex pricing trains kind of rolled into one it's like a hill but there's also like this water but it's also kind of marshy there's also forest trees it's kind of a little bit of all the train all rolled into one and then put in the hex shape but i love that the trees break out of it so it's almost like yeah. a hex window looking into totally. a space instead. Really, really cool done. I know Max did a lot of the art in this, but I think Andy Weber did some of the other ones. I don't know who did this one. I think in a lot of the Max ones. Uh, oh, never well, mind. There is, whoever did this one. I like this one. It's got to be Andy Weber. I think in the left here. I don't know how I spotted that, but right here, it looks like an AW. So this must be Andy Weber. Oh, Max wow. Moon I do see Max that. Moon on his. Wow. Yeah. Good oh, eyes, man. Shoot. Boop, boop. Right yeah, the glasses are really the glasses really working today. Okay, yeah, so um, exploring encounters our next uh, little. I think we're on page fifteen now for following along with in the book at home. Um, exploring encounters. This is another fantastic. This is a D twelve table. Um, so it's result, encounter, effect, and duration. So I'm going to go through them and fairly quick. Uh, one thick mist lost in the fae for one D four years, and the duration's passing. You're going to lose maybe four years on this one. Um, unless you have a faithful two creature roll once on the hex flooring creature table. Um, so you have five creature. Um, <coughs> cool. Thick mist. Um, three, none. You thought you saw a glimmer of something, heard a noise and had a, uh, a premonition, but it was, uh, nothing after all Four creature roll on the hex flooring creature table, five friend roll on the friends table, which is a fantastic table that we'll get to. Um, Six, traveling uh, tinker uh, will buy, sell mundane loot, offer to exchange one uh, loot item for, sa or for safely escorting them to the next hex. Uh, will not sell a crown. Will not sell a crown. Um, level adjacent, or sorry, level advancement available, which we'll also get to, but you can advance your level through this person. Um, Continuing for new hexes only. Oh yeah, because one d six you roll for if you're um, if you have been there before and you're revisiting. Now everything below this is only for new hexes. Lost noble offers you one hundred gold to safely escort them back to the nearest village. Um, level advancement available. Um, stone portal, which is the item that you'll use for like the magic key, um, and you can use it to teleport up to six hex spaces. Um, which is interesting. You can just jump six hexes, but then if you have to come back, you have to re-explore all those areas. Um, Fae Circle heals a party fully each visit, so not just once. Each time you revisit it, it'll be there and you can heal. Um, ten, which is ten is the ideal, right? Dungeon entrance plus creature. Uh, roll on the dungeon entrance table on the hex and creature table. Entrance is guarded and not accessible unless the creature is killed or evaded. Uh, Eleven is the same as ten. And then 12, which is super, super ideal, is just a dungeon's entrance, no guard, no creature. You get into a dungeon. Um, oh, yeah. So here's the little asterisk uh, from the Traveling Tinker. Um, I believe Lost Noble. Traveling Tinker and Lost Noble share local gossip and stories of ages past, including level advancement at 100 GP or 100 G. Uh, per level gpm used to other things um if the party accepts an offer to escort either the tinker or noble uh, uh the tinker noble effectively joins the party and is always unarmed 
they ha- each have one hit point, um, so they fucking squishy. If either perishes along the way, it is discovered that the traveling tinker's bag or lost noble's purse are empty, and there is no loot to be recovered. Uh, during combat, the noble and tinker are both included in the role, determining which party member takes damage. So if you escort them, they're part of your party. They can effectively take damage, and if they die, you get nothing. There's nothing on them if they die, uh, which is just the biggest middle finger. Um, another cool, like, mostly full-page piece of art here. Um, it is, yeah, what I, like, is a stone portal, right? So it's a, it's a stone doorway with this, like, black and white, like, old-school, like, hypnotist um, graphic in between, which is funny because it kind of stands out as very, very, <laughs> very out, out of the rest of the frame, which I like. Yeah, you know, it, I, yeah, it's great, and it's with this like scroll work on the side and stuff like that. The art in this is very, very cool. it's very simple, but it also strikes me very, very like old school D and D art. Yeah, you know I mean? absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and I'm really it, enjoying it, that. I'm I'm loving this. Like these, this is like a a not maybe maybe not an old school like clone, um, but like but feels like it. You know what I mean? Well, it gives you the same kind of vibe. And I know yes. we've I know that we've kind of t- kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, and I know different people have different opinions on what like OSR is. And I'm under the opinion of the like the Principia Apocrypha, like Ben Milton and all the rest of those, where OSR is more of a vibe and a style than it is yeah. anything else. But there's also people that believe that OSR is straight up just retro clones. Like if it's not like fucking Lich Lord or OSC or something like that, it's not really OSR. Um, again, I, I think that I, takes I'm, away from like what the actual experience of OSR is supposed to be. Um, exactly. I think if it needs to be like, listen, there's also people who think the world is flat and vaccines don't work. And I don't listen to those people either. So exactly, <laughs> exactly, egg exactly. Listen, so, if you're listening uh, to this and you are an you're an OSR purist. I'm not at all equating you to an anti-vaxxer or a flat earther. That was a, mostly a joke, but also your opinions are, are kind of ridiculous. Um, yeah, I I'm right there with them. We share a like mind on that. Uh, so each their own opinion. Um, if, but I mean, if, if you were also there for the origin of the OSR. Um, and that is what it was originally, the yeah. retro clone, and that's your opinion, go for it. Um, sure. I, again, I personally subscribe to, as I said, the concept of rulings, not rules, that um, combat is not balanced to make you feel good about yourself, um, and that kind of like the world exists and you're moving through it as opposed to the world is being Absolutely. written for you. And it's a lot more narrative. Like, it's, it's low prep, and it's more like adventure seeds you toss at the party, versus planning out an entire like ABCD adventure that you work your way through. Basically the opposite of current trad games. Um, and that is more of the also as I, as I said, there's a, a document called the Principia Apocrypha uh, that a lot of people um, kind of wrote their opinions on like how to do more old school. Is that like, what, what you sent me that I read through before we played? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that was a really good read. It's a, yeah, it's a fantastic just, document. Yeah. It's, it's just how to both run and be a player in that style of game that I just described. Rules light, um, inherently unbalanced, inherently deadly and difficult for you um, with an emphasis on um, creative problem solving versus like murdering everything till you become a god. <laughs> yeah. Instead yeah. um, being a whole party of murder hobos. Um, cool. Okay. Hexploring creatures. So this is the table you'll roll on. Um, if you roll to encounter a creature when you're hex flooring. Um, and yeah, some of these are uh, like a lot better than some other ones. Um, some of them are terrible. Um, so 
Uh, it is results, creature, uh, damage, and then special. So number one is so ideal. It's a deer, you know? Um, always evades, always escapes. This is a deer. It's just going to run away, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, sentient vines. Um, I assume this means 20 of them. What do you think that means? No, right? so that's what I spot. thought. Okay. That's what I thought originally, and I kept reading through the whole thing. It is an unlabeled spot. It is. It has to be the HP. Oh, okay, cool. So the unlabeled yeah, yeah. spot we're assuming is HP, and I think that that makes a lot of sense. So we've got uh, the second rule is Sentient Vines. Uh, they have 20 HP. They do 1d4 damage, and they cannot be evaded. Uh, you're not evading the vines. The vines have you. Um, Got to wait for good old Treebeard to come, or uh, I guess Tom Bombadil to come save you. Um doesn't matter um three treachery uh of ravens uh yeah okay cool uh four hp does one d4 damage roll one d12 to determine how many are encountered um yeah so you might fucking there might be a whole you know there might be 12 of these bitches coming after you four is poisonous toad four hp one d12 damage if party member is dealt damage lose one hp per hex or room move so very interesting um because if we talk about there's like the macro level of play and the micro level of play which is dungeon delving you're gonna lose hp either way um five gargantuan beetle 24 hp 1d12 damage deals plus four damage so it deals 1d12 plus four damage which is a fucking lot of damage um yeah. that is not a small amount of damage six is a hill giant uh 36 hp 1d12 deals uh plus one damage will not attack or follow a party that includes a giant because, you know, real recognizes real, y'all. Um, you're good on that. You got double, you're double giant yeah, I got action two, I got two giants. He's going to join us now. Um, seven is Pack of Wolves. 8 HP, 1d8. Roll 1d6 to determine how many are encountered. Um, that can go downhill really fast, um, especially the way I rolled some of these tables. Uh, Firefolk. Uh, 16, 1d6 will not attack or follow a party that includes a fey folk because they are you know, somewhat fey. Um, if a party member is damaged, take 1d4 damage each time an attack or evasion is rolled. Um, so they light you on fire. You do continue, you take continuous fire damage, essentially. Um, 9, hostile elf. Um, 18, 1d8 damage takes, takes plus 1 damage from metal because it's, it's a fey folk and they are, you know, not they don't like metal sets a 1d12 trap on any failed evasion roll will not attack or follow the party if it includes a fey folk um man 1d12 trap though that can that can just take you out uh 10 yep. is a banshee um banshee has no hp um 1d6 damage invulnerable and cannot be damaged time to run uh 11 is potentially the best option here which is roll twice and i say best as worse um because some of these fucking suck but yeah and then 12 is satyr uh 16 no damage um on any enemy hit do not roll damage the satyr offers the party food and drink putting them to sleep and becoming lost in the fae for 1d6 years so one more yeah lost in the fae circumstance amazing yeah. do you want to roll real quick on this table ryan just because we're, we're making good time sure uh roll me a d12 let's see i have a dice roller bookmarked 1d12 i got a seven it's pack, pack of wolves, wolves. roll a d6 yeah 
One. Oh, you lucky motherfucker. So one wolf with eight HP, which, you know, if, if you're tracking, my party did, what, 36 damage? It's in one oh, yeah. turn. So it's like, we're fine with this wolf. Um, Murdered. Yeah, that's Destroyed the wolf. Shredded it to little pieces. So scrolling down, we have another of these, like, fantastic... This is such a good piece of art, too. It's like yeah. a gigantic crab monster. Uh, it's with probably the... It's probably the gargantuan beetle, number five. Oh, yeah. Oh, duh, duh. Obviously, yes. This is the gargantuan beetle, and it's got these two pincers, and it's got this little dude in its pincers, and uh, the little dude's screaming because he's about to die. Uh, or she. Oh. Or they. And this one is, um, uh, this is the Max Moon sign in the bottom left. Yep. I, I assumed it was a giant beetle, but also giant beetles with pincers, but it's also the fey. So, regardless, this gives you a sense of just... Can you imagine just, like, chilling, chopping down a tree, hanging out, your house in the background, and suddenly this creature that realistically kind of gives me those, like, old-school claymation, like, Jason the Argonauts creatures? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I, like, it took me a second, and I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we were alive, but we've seen the clips. No, of but just, I've like, seen the... clips. Dude, when saw, Clay... I'll tell you this right now. like, a as like a, a young child you know yeah, i'd rather i'd rather take claymation monsters over some of the cgi stuff any day oh absolutely i love claymation i think it works out really well okay tangent we're keep we're we're moving uh moving on to page 19 uh friends uh this is a really really unique and fantastic table and i very much love it and i had a really great time reading through it so this is another this is a d10 table i mean when you come across it like the option to roll for friends this is where you roll Number one is our best friend, the original, the, the dubious, uh, Popplecrop Slink, uh, a diminutive gnomling with a sly sense of humor and twisted sense of uh, truth. Popplecrop Slink weaves a wondrous tale of distraction, uh, robbing the party of all their gold and their single most valuable item. Always evades an attack. The party, grow <laughs> the party grows stronger, may be inspired by the stories, and advances one level per hundred gold stolen, rounded down. So listen, um, Popplecrop might take your shit, but like you're so heartened by this story or the encounter um, that you you get to you get to advance a level as long as you had a hundred gold on you. Um, yeah. I, I this guy reminds me of like a slightly nicer. I don't know if you played Death Gambit, but there's a character in Death Gambit. If you, when you, know, you first meet him, because you told me to, and I've never played it. <laughs> so good. You, the first time you meet him, he's got garbage items that are way too expensive, and if you don't buy from him the first time you meet, spoiler alert for for Death Gambit. Oh yeah, spoiler um, alert for the game that came uh, out four years ago. If you even played it, well, they just re-released basically the entire game all over again. Anyway, regardless, right, so right. the guy literally chases you, stealing your shit for the rest of the game. No matter how many times you kill him, he keeps popping back up and tries to attack you and steal your shit. And this reminds me of that guy, except this guy at least tells you a story. You know? At least tells you a story. And also, Unless like, you, you have an ancient up. magic crown. Unless you have an ancient magic crown. And then he just straight fucking murders you. But that's only at the beginning of the game. Right, 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 right. Um, if you find the ancient magic crown, he does not do that. But if you generate it in character creation, just he just gnomal and stabs you. Okay, two, wandering merchant. Uh, a lanky, old, and wrinkled merchant has been using this place to store their goods. Uh, they will buy and sell any mundane items for prices as listed. Um, cool. 
Three is a wise woman, a cloaked woman has made this space her strange and dismal home. For a hundred gold, she points out on your map where a crown can be found. Roll a dungeon entrance, place six hexes uh, from your current hex. The first uh, loot roll in this location results in automatic crown. That is fucking fantastic. Um, automatic crown, baby. That is, that is amazing. That is great. Um, that is ideal. Four. Dying adventurer, a wounded swordsman uh, reservedly tells you of his failed attempt to slay an enemy in which he fell upon his sword. With his dying breath, he shares a secret location where loot may be found unguarded. The next encounter, uh, roll automatic, uh, the next encounter, sorry, roll automatically results in loot, whether exploring or delving. Advance one level upon retrieving this loot. That's a really cool one. Um, yeah, he's like, there's loot ahead. I already cleared the way um or yeah i've been there um yeah i like that one a lot um <clears throat> five thogwood billiam a crazy uh, a half crazed half halfling scuttles towards you seemingly shocked he hurriedly encourages you to leave the place and points you towards safety skip the next encounter roll or the next door roll um is automatically an exit um so this guy's like get the fuck out of here bro here's the way to get out of here um Gerardus six, Gerardus Zaber, um, a scaly skinned dwarf, emerges from the shadows, stroking his copper beard. He is looking for dragons and will join you for one battle, automatically defeating the next monster or, or creature you encounter. So the next, this guy joins you, and he's such a fucking badass that the next encounter you come across, no matter what it is, he just kills him immediately. Marks him. Um, Marks him. Hey, I have a question. If you came across the, I, how would you rule this? If your party got this guy and the next role was they came across the satyr, would you rule that this guy just fucking kills the satyr? Oh, um, I guess it's you're not your party. It's you, but I mean, you're you'd be ruling it. So I don't know. I uh, would. No, no, no. Well, I mean, because it's it's kind of it's it's a it's a little bit of a uh, little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, right? Because it's two things that no matter what happens, this one like automatically defeats it, but in the next one, a successful roll to hit means the satyr get. I feel like you don't even need a roll. This guy just auto does it, and that's he, he before. That's before the roll to hit the satyr to get the food. So it uh, sounds like dinner to me. The real question <laughs> is, would you eat a satyr? Is that cannibalism or is it like like waist up as cannibalism, waist down is just dinner? You know, I think as long as it's cooked meat. Okay, seven. <laughs> Renegade. Uh, no level advancement. Uh, we'll join your party for 50 gold. Roll a new party member. Um, so if you've lost a party member, uh, this is a good way to make one back or just to get an extra party member. You could have a five person party, um, eight, a new party member, no level advancement, roll a party member. How is that different from seven? Oh, there's no 50 gold cost. So this is a free party member. This one costs you nothing. Yeah. Um, nine, uh, Fim Fam, a walking, talking, shimmering tree introduce, <laughs> introduces you to a group of plant people one of whom joins your party with the stats as a fae folk. Amazing. Um, ten, uh, Alas? Ellis. Ellis? I mean, that's not how Ellis is spelled, but yeah, sure. Ellis, 
a kind and fearsome elf willing to train you, uh, your party one level advancement in exchange for 50 gold or one bow. Um, very cool. A little, a little asterisk here. Uh, all friends are willing to train your party to advance one level per 100 gold or 100 gold worth of loot, unless otherwise noted. Um, so any of the people There's can a... do that. Go ahead. No, what's up? I was like, any of these people they do that even if they didn't specifically say that the ones that specifically say oh it's 50 gold or oh they can't do this at all are specific right so like anytime you get to roll for a friend basically you can do party advancement so when we get to party advancement later it's interesting i i, I that i don't think you just get 100 gold you can do party advancement you have to be in a situation where advancement is presented to you like a friend or something like that so you can yeah. like what sucks is you could hoard your money to do level advancement and then meet someone like Popple Dick or whatever and um Popple Crop Slink and then steal all your money. Yeah, but he levels you up for every hundred gold once. rounded down. Well, that's true. So I mean, that's just kind of like wait, is it once or for every hundred gold rounded down? Is it for every hundred? Because then he's One stealing level your money per hundred gold stolen. So if you were going to pay for levels anyway, he just kind of yeah. saved you. He saved you from having to ask. He is forced what he that decision on you. <laughs> yeah. um, great piece of art here for Max Moon 2 that shows a lot of different uh, I think that's friends. Fam, you know? Yeah, Fim Fam on the left. You got the dying. What number is the dying soldier? The dying adventurer is, is on the ground on the right, literally with a sword stuck in him. And that um, middle I think guy has to be our buddy Popplecrop, you know? Do you think it's Popplecrop? Who do you think it is? Well, Popplecrop is a gnomeling, diminutive gnomeling. This guy's as tall as a tree folk. I thought this was the Renegade. Oh, maybe, you know. But it could be Popplecroc. It could totally be Popplecroc. Popplecroc um, the and then Renegade. Yeah. That's that fucking song. Every time I hear the word Renegade, now it's just Renegade. Oh, God. Renegade. Fucking TikTok. Um... And, uh, and in the back is a dungeon entrance, like with a stairway leading up. And on the wall is this cool piece of like skull art that I would totally rock in my house. Um, so yeah. a cool piece there. Um, and then we're talking about dungeon entrances. Dungeon entrances. Uh, this is another D6 roll. Uh, one, uh, with a description. Uh, one, as the party peers into a pond, the reflection sharply grasps them, pulling them all into a cavern beneath, must immediately enter the dungeon, and the party is lost in the fade for 1d6 years. Fucking cool. So your party is like, finds a pond, they look into it, and the reflections fucking grab them and pull them in into the entrance of the dungeon. Um, that is fucking cool. And then, yeah, if you don't have a fae folk with you, you're going to lose 1d6 years. Um it's funny because like feasibly your party's like aging during this you know like they yeah. like you oh, can yeah. describe them as a little bit older at the time you know especially after the 1d12 years lost roll i think well, um, what's crazy too is that you only have 12 years if you hit you only two 1d6s you could it, like you you could pop out right so say you're at say you're at eight years and you get lost in the fey for four no uh let's say five right you pop out of the Fae a year after the Lich King destroyed everything. You lost. You, you look lost. around and it's all gone. You know? So. so two, the earth beneath your feet gives way as the party falls into a sinkhole, discovering a small passageway in the revealed cavern. 
Um, each party member takes 1d4 damage. Party can climb out. Cool. Uh, three, ancient ruins surrounded by statues of ghoulish figures. Four, an enormous tree with a handcrafted door built into it. Fuck yeah, that's cool. Um, it's very uh, Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, five, a long abandoned well with a rope ladder hanging down it. Six, a boarded up cave appears long ignored with a barrier easily removed due to rot. I think that's what we saw in that art piece above was the boarded up cave. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the hex, the hex, the hex. Yeah, yeah. I love how all the it's art. It's really like... cool. Yeah, yeah let's say it's really cool that like the art like, is examples of the fucking roll tables. And, you know, <laughs> we're reading through all these roll tables. and I know it sounds like really girthy if you're listening. Um, but like this is the whole game is just roll tables and i and yeah. i'm into it you know yeah it's all about that girth you know um random hot take we don't need to change it in uh nightmare before christmas is overrated and terrible um getting into delving <laughs> why don't you go ahead and read delving since you're gonna have to sit here with your shit opinions you know uh delving is the art of exploring strange and mysterious dungeons so as we said in the beginning, this game is made of hex exploration, delving, um, hexes, uh, is overland travel, and delving is actually like grid-based combat or grid-based uh, dungeon delving. So delving is the art of exploring strange and mysterious dungeons. Some may be ancient ruins sprawling across a single level, while others may consist of tiny enclosed spaces leading to stairs creeping lower and lower. So long story short, it is dungeon delving. Um, when you enter a new room, all the following, sorry, when you enter a new room, roll the following sequence to generate the rooms and any encounters. You roll for size, you roll for type, you roll for the doors, you roll for the encounters, and then you roll for delving reward. Uh, and there's an asterisk here. I like all of the asterisks. Um, yeah. Dungeons are filled with valuable trinkets, jewels, and gems. The party always finds at least 10 gold worth of treasure in oh, cool. each room. Yeah. So you get you get you get money every time you walk in, at least 10 gold. This must be retrieved in the same fashion as any other loot. Um so retracing your steps. Unlike hex exploring and delving, you will only roll dungeon encounters in new rooms. Evading or victorious, evaded or victorious enemies, missed loot, traps, and corpses all remain where they were from the last encounter. And if an enemy follows you into a new room, you still roll for an encounter and potentially face an additional enemy. Enemies are always encountered before other encounters or loot. So, like, eh, I was going to say traps, but I think traps is a special thing. Um, room size. It's a D4. Room type is a D4. Uh, room size is claustrophobic, small, medium, or large. Room type is a cavern, a corridor, rectilinear, or round. Rectilinear, I assume, means it's a long rectangle. Because rectangle so. I'm, I'm and linear. Googling it yeah. because I'm a, a little dumb boy. Um, yeah, yes. It's a, it's a, essentially a corridor. Uh, and then you roll for doors. So basically, it's the number of doors in the room that you're in which can really determine um, how you're going to fight. If it's a dead end, you're screwed. But if it's stairs down and doors and stuff like that, basically as a D6, you can roll one and two are a dead end. Three is one door. Four is two doors down. Three doors down. Uh, five is stairs down. And six is roll twice 
slash exit, and there's an asterisk on a six, roll again. If it is another six, then you have found a safe exit out of the dungeon back to the surface. Ooh, oh. wait a minute. Is that the only way to get out of a dungeon? Is to roll no, you can D6 on a... Oh, backtrack. Right, 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 right. So to get out the other side, basically, besides backtracking, you literally have to roll two D6s. Huh. I like that. I didn't notice that before. Um, And then we get to Delving Encounters. It is a D12 table for the encounters. One and two are both traps. On a one, it's 1D one 1D12 damage. Oh, it's the same. On one and it's two... Same. Yeah, 1d12 damage to randomly rolled party member. Three and four is nothing. Five is two monsters. You roll twice on the dungeon monster table. Six is one monster. You roll once on the dungeon monster table. Seven is two monsters plus loot. You roll twice on the table and you generate a loot item. There's an asterisk. Eight is one monster plus loot. Nine is loot plus a trap. You generate one trapped loot item. Ten is monster and a friend. I would imagine going into a room and find a monster like attacking a friend and you can like defeat the monster and that's how you kind of make a friend that's what it popped into my head as it's fucking it's popple crop playing dice with a giant or something you know <laughs> yeah it's like oh 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 yeah look at this bad guy here get him oh, and then like no. scoops up all the giant's fucking gold when he turns around fucking popple crock um number 11 is just straight yep. up loot and number 12 is a secret door. You add one additional door to the room. Uh, what was that? Ooh, a secret door. Yeah. Secret uh, tunnel. Secret tunnel. <laughs> through the mountain. A couple of asterisks here. Always roll loot before fighting or invading enemies so you know what you are fighting for or leaving behind. And a loot item may be trapped with more than one trap. This could lead to rolling two or more d12 for trap damage. Double trap. Double, Double trap, trap action. Two traps. You're like, but here's the thing is if you have a rogue, all traps are disabled, so it doesn't matter. As far as I know, I think it it, it, it disables traps everywhere. So if there's like 18,000 so traps. This is really interesting. You could like roll on this table and you could make like a rectum linear uh, hall that leads to three doors down, you know? Yep. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right to Popple Crop. Plank. Uh, so there's another piece of art here, and it is a person uh, looking like they're they're being uh, being sneaky around a corner while a monster m makes its way down a corridor. But what he doesn't see, what they don't see, is the shadow of another monster's arm on the wall beside him. Hmm. So, next we get the oh. monsters. We talked about this before. We got 12 monsters, none of which would be fun to fight. Uh, oh my god, they're so fucking... It gets super brutal, and I love that. I like. I, I so enjoyed that. I enjoyed that when we played Victory Basic. Like I like that about the old school like retro clones. Uh, is it just yeah. like, yeah, they're just... They, they're going to punish you for existing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, another... A couple of things about this table, too. HP and damage are not listed at the top of this table, either. So those... I would definitely have that. Because this is another... I don't think either of the monster tables have HP written. And then... Like, we know it's, it's HP. HP. But <laughs> when I first read it, I also thought the same thing you thought, where I was like, is this how many there are? Is maybe yeah, there's 10 skeletons? Yeah, out for the groups, where it's like, oh, yeah, you have to... So it's like, okay, well, yeah. then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only thing. Um, 
So run through the bestiary uh, skeletons, have 10 HP, 1d4 damage. Uh, you create another skeleton on a palpable hit against the party. So if the skeleton does a palpable hit, another skeleton comes about. Wow, that's a hugely dick move. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, number two is a goblin, 12 HP, 1d4 damage. One additional goblin arrives each time an attack or evasion is rolled. Every time. Goblins just pouring out of places. Oh, yeah. no way. Yeah, there's an asterisk on this one, too. It's cool. A new goblin appears before damage is dealt. Only one additional goblin appears regardless of how many goblins are already present. So it just stacks. It's it's a fucking Meeseeks is what it is. Um, uh, I miss Meeseeks! <laughs> but it arrives before damage is dealt. So if you overrun damage, basically, like, when you hit, boom, goblin pops up. But for the damage to... If you do, like, you're 37. If you run into a goblin, another goblin pops up and then immediately gets murdered by you because you do enough damage to kill two because that's 24. Right. So the only real way to get the goblins to not keep popping up like rabbits is to basically murder them all in, like, one big cleave and whittle it down like that. Uh, number three is Living Slime. It's 20 HP, 1d6 damage, and it cannot be evaded. Um, a shade is none H no HP listed, 28 damage, and it disappears when hit by party. The party loses a level on a palpable hit. Oh, uh, I I love I love that I love yes, it so it's great. much. It's so I good. I like level that. drain enemies like in yeah. like, you know like that was something we really lost in the modernization of games because people were like oh well. Like, it's the power fantasy thing. It's like, well, I just want to be a powerful guy and just get more powerful. It's like, it's kind of like, it sucks, but it is fun to like be like in your level eight party adventurers in 3.5 and then take a hit and be like, no, you're a level fucking seven adventurer now or you get down to five or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I, I love it. I hate, I hate the power fantasy stuff. I've always like, ever since I started playing, I always hated the like min maxing is always just driving me nuts. I'm like, why? Why would you do that? That's not fun. Um, and uh, there's actually in TPK Zine, which is uh, something I got from Exalted Funeral, uh, there is an article written by Steve Horvath or Stu Horvath, who uh, does the Vintage RPG Instagram page and podcast. And he talks right. about how in earlier editions of D&D &D at low levels, D&D &D was a horror game because you are basically yes. a squishy, oh, weak. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's what I like about OSR and games like this is that it goes back to that feeling of like, I am frail. And like I'm going for gold and I can run into a fucking demon and literally get set on fire and die. I like that potential for death versus like I, I would love to see someone do like a, a PhD or a master's thesis on on basically like societal changes and why, you know, the current generation of like five of, of, of trad games and stuff likes us power fantasy. I'm a hero God versus the older editions where it was like I like feeling this kind of like overwhelming, like could die anytime. Yeah. Um, you know, sense of sense of dread in my games that makes it interesting versus like knowing everything is balanced for me and then I'm going to win. It kind of feels like I don't want to start a debate about it. Do it in the comments, friends. Um, it kind of caters to the whole like trophy for everyone mentality that I'm not a huge fan of. Like, you know, yeah. anyway, uh, five is over five. 36 HP. Uh, 1d10 damage deals an additional plus two damage. Six is two-headed troll. Love that, like an Etten. 
uh kind of but it's a troll uh 40 damage 1d12 or 40 hp 1d12 damage can only be killed by a palpable hit i assume brutal right i assume you could get it down to basically one but then right. until you get a palpable hit which is a, a d6 roll after that it's just going to stay up um this one is especially brutal i really like this one this is probably my it's in my top three of these 12 cyclops 48 hp 1d12 damage if attacked all surviving party members die within one year what the fuck yeah yeah big fan love that one love so if that you get one. lost in the fey after fighting this for one year you're dead you, you don't come new, back you start a new party yeah you just wander off into fucking purgatory like uh like a fucking um fuck bro that fucking hits yeah it's like Valhalla rising you just disappear into the mist um <laughs> stone golem 60 hp 1d12 damage easily evaded the party only fails evasion and looting on a one i wonder how the giant would fit into that um uh, oh well i guess it, it says it gets it except the one and it's just that you can't get a, the benefits of a four so it doesn't matter right uh zombie is one of my favorite ones too love this 10 hp 1d4 damage but any party member dealt damage turns into a, a zombie in the next hex move so if everyone takes damage from a bunch of zombies uh you're all they just walking dead out into the forest of a hex and, and your loot walks away with it so yeah. i would definitely have four zombies in that hex in that the hex, next time yeah, a party comes absolutely. through just decked out in loot that's awesome um 10 is roll twice that sucks um 11 roll again and you get times three so results in three of a single monster type so if you roll again times three and get a nine you got three zombies you're fighting now well if you roll and again then, roll a 12 <laughs> yeah oh because number 12 is a demon 72 hp 72 which is still crazy, though, because how many damage did you do with a level one party of two giants and two hermits? 36. Yeah, 36, 37, something like that. So that's what so you 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 have kill a demon in one round. But I but, have two giants, though, and we assume yeah. they have the, the strongest weapon. Right. Um, three D six damage on a palpable hit against the party. All are set aflame and die. So if the demon cool. rolls a d6 on the party, you all are immolated instantly, which is amazing. And I would have all the loot disappeared too. You just, bet. You just just char marks on the ground. Um, double asterisk down here for the shade for the palpable hit for losing a level. The party is physically and mentally weakened by this attack, which may cause the party to have a negative level, resulting in negative modifiers to hit points and damage. So you could go below you get you could literally finish out the rest of your shit negative which is fantastic yep uh traps traps always deal 1d12 damage unless evaded by a rogue um any trap not triggered remains until disabled by a rogue or triggered on occasion loot is trapped trapped loot may be retrieved by triggering the trap disabling trap or evading the trap traps may, may be evaded as any other enemy while the effect of a trap may follow a flaying party the trap itself does not uh, and a party that rolls a two on an evasion triggers the trap. The effect may be considered mobile, such as a projectile, creeping gas, or blast effect. And so the effect is still able to follow the party on the corner. Trap loot is always encountered after enemies. This is what we were talking about before. It, there's an order of play in the back that I really like that makes a lot more sense. 
but trap loot always is encountered after the enemy. So you defeat the enemy and then you go for the loot unless you're trying to evade and go for the loot. Um, if a trap loot item is guarded by an enemy or another trap, then it may require two successful evasion rolls to get past all enemies and traps to retrieve the loot unharmed. If the first evasion is successful, the loot is retrieved and the party exits the room. However, if the second is not successful, then the trap is triggered. Uh, that's some weird wording there because how I, I read that is, yeah, if the first one is evaded, then I read that as you wouldn't get the second one. Uh, I think if it was reworded a little bit to be, obviously it takes two rolls, you might like, I don't know how you'd reword that, but I understand what it's trying to say. It's like you have yeah. to get out of the past the monster and the and the uh uh trap to get the loot and to get out um on, oh on the rare occasion that a loot item is both trapped and broken the trap is considered disabled and the item remains intact so so um trapped and broken means the trap is broken right which is i mean best case scenario realistically um and then the next part basically says in a multiplayer game, one rogue disables trap for everybody. So if you're playing with three different people, three different party members, where you literally have like 12 people running around in the room, one rogue unlocks it for everybody. It's not like individual or anything like that. And I love the piece of art here. It is this kind of like long it's, piece. <laughs> yeah, it's this yeah. trap. It's with a crossbow, the triggered and ready to go. And then there's ropes from the triggering device and pulleys around it to door to the back of door handles in front of it and two arms reaching out to open the two doors which would obviously trigger the trap when someone opens it and shoot the crossbow bolt right into their chest great piece <laughs> of art great piece of art like it's i i good. love this i love yeah. this do you do you want to uh you want to hit level advancement uh, yeah, I'll head level advancement. So, um, level advancement. Uh, so, much like everything else in this game, the party levels as a whole instead of individual. Um, newly, oh, and I think we actually got this wrong earlier. Newly assembled parties start at zero, not at one. Um, oh, shit. Start at yeah, zero. So, you have no bonus yeah. to your attack. So, actually, my, my party earlier did not get that bonus to their attack. So, it was only 31 damage um, yeah. because they're all level zero. Um, uh, and as kind of we went over above, new friends you meet will offer um, like the ability to level up um, for uh, gold. Uh, gold is ultimately, or gold is the ultimate reward for your experiences, and it is also gold that purchases the party's level progression. The party may advance as many levels as they have gold for at uh, 100 GP per level, um, unless otherwise specified. Because there were a couple of those friends who were like, no, for 50 gold, you can level up. Um, uh, you can also exchange loot of equivalent value if you do not have enough gold on you. Level advancement is not complicated. It consists of boons to hit points, damage, uh, and health. Um, when advancing to a new level, uh, raise each member's maximum hit points by one and their damage dealt by one. Uh, the party is considered fully healed each time they level up. Super easy. Um, like you just heal easy. and increase your health and damage by one. Super fucking easy. Yep. And what's um, interesting too is there is no, as far as I can understand, there's no level cap. So, and you get 10 gold for every room you go into. So, if you dungeon delve a bunch and get hundreds of gold, you can just be like, all right, buddy, train me. And then I, you just go from, from level zero to level five, and your HP and damage are just up by five. I mean, yeah, here's the absolutely. thing is it becomes kind of a battle of attrition at some point where your damage output could potentially with an axe be like 1d12 plus 10 
Right. But then the monster could literally be like a demon that emulates you in one turn. So yeah. it's or you could go asleep, like be lost in the fate for so long that it wouldn't matter. It doesn't matter. You'd be level fucking a hundred, you know, but right? you, you go to sleep for 10 years. <laughs> the Lich King destroyed everything. Matter. So it's really interesting that like realistically, I mean the HP obviously matters and it's a pool across the entire party. So yes. if you're at like 15 each with four party members, you got I mean that's still only 60 HP, you know? Um, but it doesn't look like the monsters do a ton of damage. I think the biggest one was a demon at like a D8 or something. No, 3D6. 3D6. So the demons don't do a lot of damage, or the, the creatures don't do a lot of individual damage, but the effects are potentially yeah. one and done, which is a really interesting yeah. way to do it. Like, you're no matter how hard you hit, you could literally die on any dice roll. Yeah. Yeah, you're Crazy. really good yeah um so passage of time um while the actions of the party may account for minutes hours uh days the only notable passage of time is in the scale of years which of course we've seen like a bunch of examples above before i like it in the rules here it lays out in like in text what we've seen a bunch before so it's very obvious how it works we are already understanding this but this kind of just dials in a little bit um the wild world of the fey is ever present and has a strange and terrifying effect on time. Stories tell of parents on a morning walk returning what seems to be mere hours later, yet their child has grown and had children of their own. Terrifying. Um, there are two ways in which years pass. Uh, the party becomes lost in the fae, or the party dies. Anytime a full party dies, uh, requiring assembling a new party, one year passes and is recorded. So if, you're, if you have a TPK with your party, and you assemble a new one, automatically one year has passed. Yep. The game is lost um, if 12 years passes and no one has defeated the Lich King. Uh, in multiplayer games, uh, it is possible that the time will pass differently for one party than another, um, even if they are at the same physical location. While one party may be curiously considered, uh, considering the marsh ahead, another party could be lost for years only to reappear again just before the party, the first party, turns around, never noticing the disappearance. This is a strange effect of the Fae, and the rational mind cannot comprehend or account for this discrepancy. Um, so time moves differently for two different parties because the Fae doesn't make sense, and that's okay. The Fae is not supposed to make sense. Right. So, But what's interesting that is if you're doing a multi-player game, the only way that really works, and this is, this is a question I have, is if one person, if one party gets lost in the Fae, and you're working together, then the other party loses all that time, too. You know what I mean? Essentially. Yeah, I mean, it's, if one I mean, party gets to work. 12 years, if one party gets to 12 years, it doesn't really matter. If it's one over. Party gets to 12 years. Right, yeah, yeah but over. if you disappear for, for like four years and you're in the same spot, you come back to that same spot, and they turn around and go, oh, hey, but for them, that has to pass four years, too. And again, it says this doesn't make sense. Just go with it. I like that the 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 weirdness of the fae allows you to kind of just hand wave it and just be like ah, it don't fucking worry about it. it's, like, it's weird it's shit in a, it's a not uh bad hand wave either because sometimes things no. are hand waved i'm like you're a dick for doing that just explain how things work but this one's like no it's the fae the fae are specifically nonsensical you know yeah um yeah Very I mean, cool. that, that I makes like, it work i'm fine with that there's one thing i did notice is that fae is spelled f-a-e a bunch of times through the book, but I think yeah. in the original poem it's F E Y. Yeah, it is. It's F E Y. So I think yeah, they're a poem. 
little discrepancy. I'm just pointing it out, pointing it out. It's what a are poem. we? Where are we at? Oh, passage of time. Uh, yeah, well, we're, we're now at Sunken Castle uh, oh, of the South. Oh, Sunken Castle of the South. Yeah. Um, once a party enters the Sunken Castle of the South, you will treat this as delving with a few exceptions. So, if you didn't know already, Sunken Castle of the South is the Lich King's castle. It is right. the hex you're trying to get to that says castle. Uh, do not roll on the dungeon encounters table as all rooms contain 1d6 skeletons with the exception of the throne room. Upon discovering the sixth room, the party encounters a large throne room containing the Lich King. And when necessary, a dead end or exit is re-rolled to ensure the castle has at least six rooms. This should never be re-rolled if there's at least one unopened door in the castle. Perfect. So basically, no matter what, keep rolling until you have a, a, a possible six rooms, the final room you go into being the Lich King's room. Um, and when you encounter the Lich King, this is the encounter, which is really, really Encountering interesting. the Lich King. And you, with your party of double giants, will find this really interesting. The Lich King does not have hit points and does not deal damage. He is immune to all magic, except magic crowns and any attacks, but, but any attacks by the Lich King that would deal damage to the party are treated as a single death touch, instantly killing one randomly rolled party member. <coughs> Instant hand of death, boom, you're done. So if he hits the party, if you have four adventures left and he, and he gets four successful hits, you lose. Um, but there are two ways in which the party may safely crown the Lich King. One, make a successful attack that would deal full damage or more. So I assume that means if you have a D... 10, rolling a 10. Right? Is that what it means? Like one... But like everyone rolls the damage all at one time. I think this might be a question for you to ask Max Moon since uh, yeah, I you, think... guys, you guys are on, on fucking messaging terms now. Listen, you were messaging with Johan. Um, that's very true. Making a, so that's a question that I have generally is what is full damage? Because again, individual party members don't. Oh, no, no, no. I think we're dumb. I think we're dumb. Um, oh, I'm usually dumb, but yeah, go ahead. I oh, think normal. They did mean like normal damage roll, like not half I, damage. Yeah, I think. Are we? Where is combat? Let down. me find combat. Keep going down. Right there. Keep... Uh. That was so it's got to be normal damage or double damage, right? Like Maybe. a five or a six party hits. Well, it says full damage, not right? So, not damage. normal or double. Yeah, so maybe maybe it's got to be double damage and you roll at least and what your this what might your... be one of those occasions he was talking about where he wanted to reprint just to clear up some of the language. Um, yeah, because the language here is a little confusing. I would ask that, but how I would rule this now is if you have two D12s and two D6s, that's a total of, what, 36 points potential for right. if you roll max on everything. I nah. would say that you have to roll all your damage and get at least 36 points, which it would be all of your damage if sense. you max it out. So yeah. if you roll a five with enough mod, if you roll five and roll all your damage with enough modifiers that you would hit 36, I think that would work. Or if you do the double damage and roll enough that you go over. So it sounds like pretty much a five or a six to me, unless they just mean roll normal damage. Um, yeah. 
but that would I'm interested mean... to see what the ruling on that is what he yeah. uh, what his intent was with that uh or you roll a four on an evasion roll the two ways to beat the lich king <laughs> aside from aside from you know the ancient crown and stuff like that if you have if you have that and 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 uh popple popple croc didn't kill you already um but yeah funny giant man uh with two giants in your party it should be noted that a party including a giant would not be successful due to the giant's weakness when making a successful attack or rolling a four on an evasion the party avoids the attacks of the lich king while daringly crowning him and completing the coronation ritual. So, long story short, if you roll a four in an invasion roll and you don't have a giant in the party, basically you do some fancy maneuvering, you get the crown on You're his head, flipping, game over. You know. Yeah, absolutely. But if you have a giant in your party, it doesn't work. And the only option you have is to make the successful attack roll that deals full damage. So since you have a giant in your party, you have one way to kill to, to defeat him, and that is to do an attack that deals full damage. That's all you got. Um, okay. You complete the coronation ritual. He crumbles to the floor to rest for another 12 years, unless you found a way to put him to rest permanently, uh, which we talked about. If you actually find the yeah. ancient crown, the original one, uh, he's dead forever. Um, all skeletons remain in the castle are instantly destroyed and no new skeletons are generated. Um, I do enjoy this role playing section. And this is that piece of art. That is the image of the Lich King. Uh, that's yeah. embossed on the front. That's embossed on the front of the other one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, really like this role playing section. I'm not going to read it all, but basically what it says is, you know, role playing is essential to to all RPGs um, or, or yes. a narrative is essential to all RPGs. Um, and that Max has found that um, uh, it's hard to kind of create a narrative in a solo game, especially when a lot of it is rolling. Um, so what what they say is I highly recommend um, writing it down. Uh when a party dies, I like to honor the dead by stopping and writing the story from their perspective before rolling up a new party. They use the I maps. That's cool. They use yeah. They use everything. Um, and I like that it even says like this story becomes the story that they tell at inns and taverns. Um, and you could even uh, yeah, you could even keep um, uh, the bad stuff out that makes you look like an idiot and make it better, and then people talk about it um so yeah uh i like the difficulty variants too basically there's monster level up options if you're looking to increase right. the difficulty don't mind extra um bookkeeping you can do monster level advancement more powerful monsters roam the lower levels of dungeons each time you descend a level add an hp and damage to every monster on that level so if you keep rolling stairs basically the deeper you go the harder things get which i love um, i do really like that too yeah and then the castle difficulty is really interesting too. So this basically just changes the the sunken castle. There's sword mode, flail mode, and axe mode. So instead of D6 and six rooms for the skeletons in the castle, uh, sword mode is 1D8 skeletons, and the Lich King's in the eighth room. Flail mode is 1D10 skeletons. Lich King's in the 10th room. And axe mode is 1D12 skeletons. Lich King's in the 12th room. And has a monster level up variant. And it does say during playtesting, no one crowned the Lich King in axe mode. Wow. That means we got to play a couple times and crown the Lich King in act mode. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to uh, do you want to hit the multiplayer variants? Yeah. Multiplayer variants. Um, games of two or more players um, offer the opportunity for cooperative, competitive, and parallel play. These are not distinct modes of play, and parties may weave in and out of each. 
parallel play. In parallel play, each party navigates the same world, may interact with some of the same enemies and encounters. This type of play may be synchronous or asynchronous. I really like that. Um, yeah. Players may buy, sell, trade, and loot uh, and loot among each other. Uh, cooperative play. During cooperative play, multiplayer parties work together and may attempt to stick together as they explore and fight. However, they remain two distinct parties and will use different roles when engaging in cooperative combat. Um, evasion remains the same. Um, when players encounter an enemy, all parties must choose whether to evade or attack. Evading parties roll standard, and the cat is walking through, walking from my screen. Hey, buddy, you know what? I need you to go away. Big stretch. Uh, where was I? Uh, when players encounter an enemy, all parties must choose whether to evade or attack. Evading parties roll standard individual evasions rolls using the same results as solo play. In both PvP and cooperative combat, players will each roll 1d6 and use the difference between the rolls to determine, determine the results. So you roll 1d6 and you use the difference between the rolls to determine the results. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I love that. I can't wait to get to that. Uh, yeah. Cooperative combat is very similar to solo combat. However, all players roll 1d6 to attack. Um, regardless of the number of players, use the difference between the lowest roll and the highest roll to determine the results. Um, if there are three or more players, then there could be a tie for the highest or lowest. In this case, the result may apply to multiple players. Uh, use the difference between the lowest and highest roles to determine the results on the collaborative combat table, which we're about to get to. Um, so basically, this really takes the ability to critically fail or critically hit, palpable hits, um, away. Because if it's always the difference, then, oh no, if it's the difference between it, it could be. So we talked about this a little bit. So um, it's actually a mechanic that I'm using. I know I talked about this because I'm adding a, a, a mechanic where you roll 2d6, subtract the highest from the lowest, Right. And it creates something. This is that same concept where you, if you have two parties, you, we each roll. And then uh, say you roll a three and I roll a five. It's a two. It's but a two. I rolled yeah. highest and you rolled lowest. So we would look at, we would look at two and it says high roll enemy um, uh, deals damage. And then an enemy uh, takes the damage of the low roll. And the effect is high deals half damage to enemy and enemy deals full damage to low roll. So basically, we each roll damage, but since I rolled a five, I deal half damage to the enemy, and since you rolled a three, you get full damage from the enemy. And notice that it's a zero to five table because it's impossible to get a six if we're minusing the highest from yeah. the lowest. So the lowest I actually highest. sent you, uh, I sent you a thing before uh, the two D six document from Adam Fass. Right. And yes, there this concept is in there, and a little bit different. This okay. uses the difference versus a subtraction so uh adam bass lists one through five but you can figure out how to do um a zero through five and the actual look at the statistics and i actually as part of my game did the statistics of all of that extra so um zero to five is statistically like from zero to five easier to harder you have a 29 percent right. chance of rolling a zero which means doubles you have to roll doubles so statistically, you have roughly a 30% chance to roll doubles and get a zero. So one in three <laughs> shot of what looks like both high and low hit the enemy for palpable hits. Both parties deal full damage. Statistically, one in three chance you're going to get that. It's crazy how fast it drops. So a one 
which is the next, obviously, like, it would be like a five and a four get you a one. Right. But also, so would uh, a three and a two, you know? So there's yeah. a bunch of different options for that. Yeah, there's so, a bunch, it's a much, it, it's a slightly more complicated, but not necessarily, like, complicated, complicated uh, way oh. of rolling. Um, I love it. And like I said, I added that mechanic yeah. in my game. And then when I saw it again in 12 years, I was like, I love this. It's a slightly different way to do that. But basically, a zero is a 29% chance. A one is a 24% chance. A two is a 19% chance. A three is a 14% chance. A four is a 10% chance. And a five is a 5% chance. So you have what amounts to a 54% chance to get a zero or a one. And only a 5% chance to get a 5. So, statistic cool. odds yeah, are, are way higher for hitting the 0 end. So, cooperative combat against enemies is heavily favored to the players. Yeah, heavily it really favored is. To the players. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that's that roll table. And we've kind of, we kind of touched on a little bit of everything. So, we'll move on to uh, competitive play. Um, in competitive play, parties may be racing to be the first to crown the Lich King, or they may just give in to their base desires and attack and rob the other party. Competitive play uses modified player versus player PvP combat and evasion rules. In the case of PvP combat, if one party wants to attack another, the attack is declared in advance. The attacked party may choose to evade or engage. Um, if they wish to escape, they roll first on the PvP evasion results table. If the evasion attempt uh, fails or the attacked party chooses to engage, then each player, I don't know why I said this, so weird, then each player will roll 1d6 opposing attacks. The higher roll wins. The difference between the rolls is used to determine the result on the PvP combat table. So once again, we're using the difference of um, dice. Uh, the word enemy refers to any party, creature, or monster the party is attempting to evade. Um, so it would just be the other party in this instance. So Here we have the PvP. Two, go for it. No, go for it. Yeah, yeah. No, there's just two uh, more tables for that, but yeah. Yeah, the evasion, PvP evasion results, one through four. One, all enemies hit, evasion attempts fails. Two, enemy follows the opposed party to the next hex uh, or room, so it'll follow you. Three, party evades all enemies and traps, but does not retrieve any loot, double asterisk. Four, party evades all enemies and traps, receives encounter loot, and may choose to steal any one piece of loot or gold from a single par uh, enemy party. And that's kind of a big fuck you to that party. Uh, is that we got yeah. away and we got your fucking, they might have an ancient magic crown on them, you know? Yep. Got uh, it. At attacking, uh, so the first asterisk, attacking parties may choose not to pursue. Um, so on that, Follows them to the next hexer room. If they if they don't want to pursue, they won't. Um, the double asterisks. Um, attacking party may still enter the same hex or dungeon room as the evading party. However, the evading party is considered hidden and cannot be attacked again immediately. They're looking out for you. They know you're coming for them. They're hidden. I love that one of the things that he talks about um, earlier is it's not you don't pick a mode. You can go in and out of a bunch of different modes. Yeah. So you and I could be playing this game cooperatively for until we're like real close to to the sunken castle and we find some sweet, sweet loot in a room. And I'm just like, fuck it. I attack you. And you're like, well, you immediately have to decide whether you uh, evade or initiate attack with me. And it's just like out of the fucking blue. Um, 
and we just get to fight it out. I love that. It's so cool. I do too. I think that's really cool. And I like that the, yeah, having it in a set mode would be stupid. Having it like, oh no, here are like what we consider the modes of this play, but you can fluidly move from one to the other as the occasion calls or your mood calls makes perfect sense. Um, So the PVP combat table is another, um, like the other one. It's It's a difference between die. So there is no six and there is a zero. Zero, each party deals full damage to the other, right? One, a uh, defeated party deals half damage, and successful and successful party deals full damage. Uh, two, defeated party deals half damage, and successful party. So it's the same. One and two are the same. Um, three and four are the same, which is successful party deals full damage, and five is palpable hit. Um, successful party deals double damage. Um, brutal. Yeah, brutal. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I said, I love the the two d six concept of subtract the lowest from the highest. I really enjoy it. Um, it's statistically, you know, I I don't like when, uh, like I don't like a d twenty roll because statistically there's a five percent chance every time. It bothers me. I like bell curve rolls because I like the concept of like if you're good at something, you're more likely to hit within a certain range versus like the extremes. Um, and I really like this difference thing with the with the yeah. weight that it has. It's not quite a bell curve, but it's 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 trend. It's statistically like trended down, like highest to lowest. So I really like that a lot. Um, um cool. last page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last page. Um, cool. So, um, shared record keeping. Um, so basically, in multiplayer, delving and exploring can be done synchronously or asynchronously. Um, which we yeah. kind of touched on earlier. Each yeah, party basically it says keep, their yeah, just keep good notes so that we yes. can pass it back and forth. That's basically all it says. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it, your label dungeons, label hexes, take your notes. Um, any monster encountered um, are removed if killed. Um, if evading, um, note the enemies because they stay there. They're permanent. Yeah. Uh, monsters also do not heal, which I think we touched on earlier. Um, and once again, it kind of touches back to that. It's possible for time to pass differently for each party. Um, this does not impact the party's ability to interact with each other. Um, yeah, very cool. Uh, more than two players. Combat with one party is already considered chaotic. With three or more players, there could be 20 adventurers all attacking a large group of monsters in a claustrophobic-sized room. The chaos makes combat unpredictable and unavoidable. If any party attacks another party a brawl begins and then we have the rules for brawling uh brawling is a wild fight for your life um and there's no guarantee that you will be able to do damage to your intended victim the part the more parties present the less likely you will have to have any control over what happens once a brawl is initiated use the pvp combat and evasion results with the following considerations so the pay tables we just went over except all parties present must choose to evade or engage in the attack as there is no chance of sitting back and watching unharmed. There's 20 of y'all, fists are flying, swords are flying, you're all going to get hit. Um, if one or more parties roll a one on, the, uh, on an evasion roll, then all opposing parties deal full damage to all parties with a roll of one. A lot of words, but, um, yeah. but also brutal. Um, any evasion roll uh, of a two provide provides an opportunity for any party to follow any evading party with a roll of two. Um, cool. All parties present who are not evading roll 1d6 to attack. 
Um, if all parties agree to end the combat after damage is dealt, no further rolls are needed. Um, so the complexity really takes a jump up if there's more than two people. Uh, and I don't yeah. really want to play this with more than two people, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting about it in general is that you could have multiple people playing. You could have three people playing all at the same time, right? Um, right. But, but you're not... You could all start and head out in three different directions. And then the only reason that this brawl scenario would ever happen is if somehow you you all land on the same hex, right? Which right. is crazy. Because I could imagine a scenario where like maybe like you, me, and Jason all start playing this game and I say we roll, I take a hex like straight up or whatever, and then one of you takes a hex to the right, one of you takes a hex to the left, and then we all get together maybe in like discord or something and just say like advance one hex and then basically you just track where the other people are but then if a hex advances into where two people are then on that day you get together and resolve that hex together and then maybe head out in two different directions or have a pvp combat scenario so if you did that where like you didn't really know where the other people were but you were kind of tracking it a little bit until suddenly you're on yeah. the same hex It'd be really interesting to cross competitive, collaborative, PvP, all of that in one giant game. Because one time you meet a party, you could be like, hey, let's trade loot. Let's do this. I got too many swords. I got too many this or that. And the next time you meet them, it's just like, oh, you got a crown. Cool, I attack Oh, you, you. have a crown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really neat. Um, there's a glossary of terms after this, which you can read if you want. It's, it's pretty straightforward combat, delving, all that kind of stuff. But this is the order of play page that I really, really like. And it's 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 the last yeah. page before you get to the bonus content. Um, while they're not turns and all enemies and players are considered to act simultaneously, there are types of actions and counters that you can have. And for clarity, this is how it works. Encounters that specify immediately take precedence all, uh, over all other encounters, um, even if they were previously in the encounter. Evasion always precedes combat. The Hermit's healing ability and the permanent Moonkiss power always precede damage. Damage is always totaled before determining which party member takes damage. Traps are encountered before enemies are loot, unless the loot is specifically trapped. Loot is always rolled before engaging or evading enemies so that you know what you're fighting for. Uh, dungeon rooms are always fully generated, including doors, before engaging in any other encounters, as a number of doors is important. Magic may be used freely at any time, and enemies are always encountered before dungeon entrances, exits, or doors. So you can't just be like, okay, there's a door, I'm out. You have to encounter the enemy before you go. Um, right. And you that know the door is... exists, but you have to encounter the enemy. Right, exactly. Like, but you at least didn't exactly like you, said, it, you know it's there because you have to know if it's a. I mean, there's there's I think two options on the table. Where it's just dead end. So you're just like, fuck. There is no door. So if you yeah. want to evade the enemy, you have to actually encounter with them first and then roll an evasion before you can and just be like, all right, I'm track. out. Yeah. Um, and then you get into the hex grid, you get into a delving, like it's just a, a, um, a page of little squares for dungeon delving. There is, I love, um, the party sheet. Uh, it is these basically sections split into one, two, three, four, five, six, um, little sections for each party member, name, archetype, weapon, damage, max HP, current HP, power, weakness, and then the loot listed with the party level and party goal at the bottom. And then basically all of the tables in the book are put onto two pages. Quick for play. Quick I love play. these pages. So good. So good. Um, and then the very last page is um, the rules for multiplayer, um, PVP cool. and combat. 
And that is that is 12 years. That's 12 years. Yeah, I'm such a I'm such a fan I of really this like game. This I want to play really yeah, bad. It's really good. One of the things, like I said, that I really want that that you you can play this game also in so many different ways that really, really gets me. So like I can imagine, as we said, like you and me or you, me and somebody else all starting in different directions, doing one hex at a time and then potentially crossing over like either two or three people. I could also imagine um, us just doing two completely separate things and just saying what happens to each other. Right. What, what do you what you did and I did. I can also imagine like one of us starts will roll like a D2 or whatever. You go until you have a TPK and then count how many years you have. And then the second player goes until they do a TPK and you literally just go back and forth until either the 12 years passes or you defeat the Lich King and just yeah. basically taking turns with the narrative, which would be really interesting. And you just have a series of back and forth, like, <laughs> like basically one giant party, party, one party, party obituaries rapidly though. <laughs> yeah. All right. So kicking over into the game review page real quick for those that haven't listened, uh, we do five scores uh, worth 10 points each art and style, which is the art and the consistency of the style throughout the layout and function, which is how the layout looks as far as readability and function, as far as how easy it is to navigate the book and the PDF rule set and crunch, which is if it's a new rule set, um, is it good? And crunch is, is the, uh, uh, amount of crunch in the game, the amount of rules in the game fit what the game is trying to do. Um, originality, which is super broad, but it's originality in rule set and um, setting and lore. Basically, everything does this feel different. And value, which is what you get for the money you spend. If there's free content, if there's apps, if there's a bunch of other stuff, those are what we rated on to a score of 50. So starting with art and style, um, I, I love the cover and I love the old school style of art inside, but it yes. is kind of art sparse. It's very sparse, but like where it is, it's very good. You know, there is mm -hmm. there, you know, like when you go, you look at the poem, it's got that really cool framing around it. Um, but yeah, you can go several pages with there being no art. Uh, you can go a yeah. lot of pages with there being no art. And there is a lot of empty space where there could be more art. Um, the thing about this is like, it's obviously like a game made by like just two people. Um, and, you know, it's a little more limited in scope. But yeah, it does kind of suffer in the art for that, yeah. you know? And I, I did notice that there is like a 10-page stretch where there's a lot of art. Um, yeah. It's page 14 to roughly page 25. I think there's an art piece on every other... There is literally an art piece on every other page. Um, one is on the inside and the outside, but every like open spread has an art piece in it. Um, but really sparse on the art through to page 14 and after 25, there's not a whole lot, but then you're also getting into like the Lich King and, and more tables and stuff. But I think a lot of it is because the early pages and the end pages are kind of all tables. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, but, but yeah, also the more pages you put in a little zine, the thicker it gets, the harder it is to deal with, but it's still art sparse. Um, still art the sparse. style, the, and you know, we're art boys. We've said that before. We're um, boys. So style is consistent. The art that is there is really nice. What do you yeah. feel? I, I think this is a six for me on art. 
I think, I think it's, it's above average. I think the art is good. It's in here and it reinforces the theme and the tone, the tone. Um, but I do think there are a couple instances where there's a, a big white space on the page where you could just drop like they, on one of the pages, they have like an ax or they have like a mushroom and like a little bit more things like that had dropped in here randomly would have, would have dressed it up a little bit, but I don't think yeah, it's yeah. bad, you know? No, I, I think um, it's great. But again, like we yeah. like, we like art heavy books. So we're always going to kind of skew like towards, yeah, skew towards that. Um, layout and function. Thoughts? It's, I, I mean, it's pretty high. Um, yeah. It, I mean, the first of all, this, it, it's easy to read. It's beautiful. It's hyperlinked. It's hyperlinked. Um, so there you go right there. It's really easy to read. It's set up in an order in which makes sense, right? You have these roll tables that teach you about these really, um, about all of these instances in a very straightforward way. And then after you go through these roll tables, you have all of these rules written out that then refer back to these instances that you've seen over and over and over. I don't have a lot of critiques to lay out and function to this. No. I think one of the one of the things that says in the getting started part, I really liked once you have skimmed the rules and have a sense of how to play, you may quickly find that the rule book is cast aside and only pulled out occasionally to answer the odd question and provide clarity. Very true. I mean, because I got this dope ass folder here, I have yeah extra pages of just a quick play rules i would literally it's just really slap usable. that yeah yeah Super it's a very usable, usable book you could do you could yeah. take this to the table with you and referencing this book at the table would not be like a, oh hold on guys i gotta like you know hold on it's page yeah. 400 it's page 250 um, right yeah um this is pretty high for me um i it, it's it does not high. have hyperlink back to the to the yeah the, I like when the page numbers are hyperlinked to the uh, index, so you can just keep going back and forth. Yes. Um, yeah. That's a 10 for me. So this, I mean, this is a strong 8, um, 8 or 9 I was, for me. I was saying 8, because I know the way that we usually do a lot of the scoring is we start at 5 and then add. The way that personally for that. me, oh, well, that's what I always say. <laughs> yeah, um, I know you the do way, it. I just do it by feeling. The way, well, I, th I like that you do it by feel and I do it by numbers and it usually works out. We're within like half it a does, point of each yeah. other and like 90 plus percent of the time, like 70% of the time it works every time or whatever, you know? Um, <laughs> but uh, but for layout and function in my mind, what makes sense is I detract what it doesn't have compared to Troika. Right. Um, because Troika is the perfect laid out book in my opinion. Uh, I think it's a, it one of the strongest tens in my mind that we have that is a 10. I think it's probably yes. the tennest 10 we have. It's the um, most tenny 10 that's ever 10. Exactly. So I, I completely agree with you. It is where eight is where I was going because um, it doesn't have hyperlinks back to the index. Um, there are some parts that that could be like linked to other areas to reference back and forth to within the document. Okay. But again, yeah, so it's a yes, 45 page totally document. That. And I do love Troika and like Mothership. And I think I don't know if Orbital Blues did it, but where each kind of paragraph is also like number, like 4.1, 4.2 kind of thing. I don't think Orbital Blues did that, but yeah, I told the initiators, like, you yeah, know I think about. eight's a good one for this, though. Yeah, I think eight is is great. And again, like if five is average, you know, these are these are solid scores on that. Uh, rule set and crunch. So our perceived big thing here is this is perceived rule set and crunch because we have not played this yet. Um, yeah. So we, this is the score that is most likely to change after we play it, just like we changed Into the Odd. We actually bumped Into the Odd up because I fucking loved it after playing it, um, although I loved it when reading it. Rule set and crunch. You know, this almost couldn't be a better rule set for what it is. You know what I mean? I don't know of any way that it could improve. Like, I really don't, you know? 
I I'm thinking, you know, I I I I agree for the, for the most part. You know, one of the things I love is is that you the PVP stuff. Like I I like yeah. I said in my in my game, I'm not going to get into what it is of part of my game. I added that 2d6 subtract the lowest from the highest. Um, and I discovered that in Adam Vass's 2D6 document he put out. Um, anyone that hasn't found that, just Google Adam Vass 2D6. Um, it is a PDF. Uh, it's one page. And it just talks about how cool 2D6 is and all the different things you can do with it. And that's the first time I saw the subtract one from the other. This is the first time I'm seeing it in use in a, actual, yeah. in a game, not just an example of play. Um, so it's really cool to see. And it is still, and a, again, a different take. It's not one roll you're getting because you subtract one for the other. It's literally you roll one and I roll one and we do the difference, which is even a different variation of that. So I really, really love that. Um, what are you thinking for this? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's always our hardest one. It is really hard because, I mean. again, we, we haven't played it, but I'm, I'm just trying to think of a way something in the rules specifically rules that i would do different there's just but there's fucking nothing wrong with it you i know can't I mean? really i can't really think of anything i would do different i it's so, so well I mean, done I, I think that makes i think that makes the nine because i think getting a 10 on rules will be incredibly hard basically and I impossible think we will probably do an actual play of the two of us playing this at some point as an extra episode um yeah. and then after that if we are like this is it this is the perfect the perfect game for what it is we'll revisit but i think a nine is yeah. good for this the the thing that you just said too, I also think this this one is one of the ones that has potential to be multiple tens once we hit one ten, because yeah. uh, for what it is, because rule sets are so different per the way what you why you're playing them. Yeah. Because art an oh, art yeah, book absolutely. is an art book is an art book. You know what I mean? It's an art book. Um, totally. And a, a layout is a layout is a layout for the most part, right? There's things that we there are there right. are specific criteria that we want to hit. The rule set in Crunch has a much more kind of broad organic. Broad. Yeah. So I do like the caveat that for what it is, you could compare two completely different games and have the same score, and they would be two completely different games. I'm super happy with this being a nine. Um, I am and too. Whether I we, think it's good. Whether we play it on Weekly Scroll or Adventure Archive, I think I, I can't imagine that we're not going to do this in the next month or two, um, or whenever you're available after class and stuff. Originality. Organality. Yeah. Um, so, like, this is a game that is a, a, you know, is inspired by retro games, retro clones. Um, but it is a solo hex crawl. Um, in that, I have a few solo games right now. Um, and I don't know that any of them are solo hex crawls. I think they're all like journaling games, essentially, like, like creative writing games. Um, so both, I mean, Merger, Merger is a solo game, isn't it? Yeah, it's not a hex crawl though. No, that's what I'm saying. But it's also not a journaling game. It's a it's a dice roll. That's true. And win oh, game. That, that's right. very true. But like, yeah. it's not a hex um, crawl. No, 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 no. And and you know, Chris Bissett kind of set the gold standard for what what a lot of TTR TTRPG community does, which is the wretched and alone system. But it yeah. is a journaling. It's journaling with like cards and a dice tower. Um, yeah. But like you just said. Exploration, dungeon delving, yeah. micro play, macro play, which we love from kingdoms, originality, like you just said. I mean, it, it's it's a variation on a fantasy theme, right? Cool. But as we said before, originality is not just the lore; it's it's across the board. 
um, originality in the rule set, not not rating the rule set, but how original the use of it is. Yeah, I I could be completely wrong, and maybe this changes if someone goes, "No, there's 18 of these. Here you go." Um, I've never seen one that does it this way, where you play I as a whole. And the use of the Fey too. Yeah, the, you play as a whole party is doing one thing, but like yeah. the use of the Fey as the passage of time and the passage of time being this huge aspect of like you only have 12 years to like defeat this, you know. 12 every 12 year lich um which in and of itself is like that's pretty unique as well you have to put a crown on the lich's head to yeah. like subjugate well, it and like he's the lich king he's supposed to be at a coronation king. yeah he's supposed to be at a coronation and if he doesn't get his fucking crown he fucking he tantrum he yeah. blows shit up so what i also love about the game too is even if you succeed you only succeeded for for a short period of time and then yeah, yeah. He'll come back again unless you completely destroy him. So I, I had this idea. I think I said something to Jason about it, where you could start as a if your guy survives, if your if your person survives, um, you could start as a young adventurer, defeat the Lich King, and then when and next then time your you son play, takes up the mantle. No, you could be like like now you're 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 a warrior. You're old. You're twelve years older. Oh, you're you're yeah, not quite you're not totally. quite middle aged, but you've seen some shit. And then how about twelve years after that, where you're like a grizzled old veteran who's just like fuck no one's going to defeat this guy i gotta do this again you won't you won't won't. um what what are your thoughts i mean i think this is an eight for me i'm good with an eight i'm good with an eight on that again variation on the fantasy theme but the way in which you play the game i have yet to see a game like really well executed yeah really well executed Uh, um value is one of those things where like it, th- I think this is our perpetually our lowest score across the board. <laughs> and often we talk about the game as if we didn't add this in. And I know people have questioned it, but I think it's really important to have this in there because as oh, we talk too. about it's if I can't afford game your space. game, yeah, if yes. I can't afford your game, I can't play your game. You know, when oh, and, again, and the that, like, I, I want tabletop gaming to be a thing that all like anyone can do and it's there's almost no barrier for entry and you know we always criticize i know we criticize dnd and watsi a lot but like you know it's it's ridiculous that i have to buy a 50 dollar book and then after the 50 dollar book like i still kind of need another 50 dollar book and then potentially i still need another 50 dollar book um well not only that then you have to completely pay you have to play a separate company 30 dollars for every pdf you want to if you want to play online yeah so and i want this community this space to be open to everybody no matter what their financial situation is which i think is why value well, is important and i think i think one of the things especially if we start um uh when we start reviewing ones that were like itch funded is uh community copies in the future do, yeah do they did they and do they offer community copies which would be a huge plus for the value yeah. because a lot of those and even in the funding themselves they add in uh, and Kickstarter is doing a little bit too, where they'll say like, if you funded this, you you added a bunch of community copies because you um you have the opportunity to give people in a poor financial situation or people like lesser served by a lot of different factors the ability to play your game, which is just absolutely fucking fantastic. And I really love the yeah. drive for that in it. Um, but right now we don't have a lot with this. So again, it's perpetually our lowest score because five is average. So you have yeah. to be pretty above average to get a, a more bang and for your it, buck. And admittedly, this is not a very expensive game. You know, it's oh. out of stock on Exalted right now, but mm-hmm. it's fifteen dollars for the the zine and the PDF. And I think that's yep. incredibly that that's pretty accessible. You know, and it's um, it's a uh, thirty playable too. 
Yeah. I think with all the bonus pages and stuff, it's like 42 pages, I think. Yeah. And and you get you could theoretically chop all of these out if you really want or don't be a psycho and just photocopy them or don't um, fucking do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just photocopy them. But you get the quick play rules that you could easily take out and then use for the entire thing. Not only that, like they're all like foiled and like hand put together and stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he literally makes these and then just sends a batch to people. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like the, this is on a line getting produced. Um, so $15 for like a handmade foil. Yeah. I think the biggest thing too, is that like, you know, when we're talking about max moon stuff specifically, he's hand making this stuff, um, mm -hmm. which is considerable. Uh, and the fact that I can still get it for $15, even though it's handmade is, is ridiculous. Crazy. Cause I bet it takes oh, quite a while to make a couple of these, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And on top um, of that, I'm don't forget, I mean, there's only 10 of these in the world, but I do have one of these that did come with a bunch of extras from yeah. iWizard. So um, that is another opportunity and things that he does as well. Um, so again, the other I'm thing we talk about is... for this, you know? Yeah. One thing that I would love to know, because I don't see it written anywhere in here, is the potential for third-party content. I could yeah. see this being like uh, basically change the setting to to and use the base rules, even if you check out like the 12 years aspect sure of it. Good. Yeah. But the basic exploration delving. I mean, I can imagine a space game like this where you're actually yeah, like definitely. going through space and stopping on planets and stuff like that. If there was a third party license, if there was. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that would be the only thing that would really bump it up for me, but 15 bucks PDF and physical handmade scene. What are your thoughts? I think it's seven. I'm thinking it's seven for this. I think it's good. I think it's cheaper than a lot of stuff. And I, but I don't think there's as much like third party stuff as I would like to give it the higher score, you know? Right, 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 right. And I can't, like I said, I can't imagine that, um, that people wouldn't be allowed to create content in this. So what does that give us? Six plus eight plus nine plus eight plus seven. 38 incredibly respectable score i think that's one point off of into the odd um and i feel i'm feel, I'm i feel happy with that, with that. i and love I'm the this into game. the odd fanboy so yeah i <laughs> I'm good i with that. absolutely love this game um and that is uh 12 years long story short we love it if you have the opportunity it when when second edition or or more reprints come out i highly advise you to snatch this up it's really really good really really beautiful um and quickly next week next we, week we um are actually gonna have another guest with us um if you know Merkborg, you know forbidden psalm um it is the minis game uh, created specifically for Merkborg, for Merkborg, adaptable to Merkborg. Um, it is created by Kevin Rahman. I, I want to ask him and make sure that I'm saying that correctly. Um, and they have a Kickstarter project out right now for the third big installment, um, plus you yeah. know some other two that came out, for uh, Last War, which is the first kind of non-Merkborg setting thing. It's kind of set in like a weird, monstrous World War II we are going to have um, Kevin on our episode next week, right at the beginning, and then we are going to be going over the original Forbidden Psalm book next week for our episode. So you definitely want to be here. You definitely want to tune in for that. Um, tune in. Great. Come hang out. Yeah. 
Uh, so again, Max, great game. Hunter, awesome, out, awesome Max, time. Man. Seriously, yeah. this so good. I the only thing I can make it better is if I had like a nice a nice embossed lich here in the middle of it. You know. Um, otherwise, yeah, can't can't say it enough. And that and that's our episode. So um, thank you so much for being here. Um, whether Thanks, you're on y'all. podcast or in the vods, thank you so much for listening and watching. Hunter, I will see you later. Have a good day. Farewell. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.